Good to have you here. It is three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, he has been troop. A lot to get to on the show as we are heading into the All-Star weekend. or uh, Well, the All-Star break. The All-Star stuff doesn't start till next week. But we are heading into the All-Star break in Major League Baseball. The Braves trying to stay within striking distance of those New York Mets. So we'll get to that. Also, SEC media days. I like to call it. I know a lot of people do the unofficial start to the college football season. Once you get together and you have Greg Sankey giving his State of the Union, once you have Nick Saban answering questions or telling us what he's aggrieved about, and you get the uh, the full uh, you know car wash of coaches and players coming through, it feels like college football is here. So that's happening next week, and a lot of storylines to get to. Uh, with that, we're also been two weeks away from training camp opening for the Atlanta Falcons. That could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your perspective <laughs> on, on that Atlanta Falcons team. And you have the Open Championship uh, going on at St. Andrews. Uh, Tiger Woods misses the cut, gets the big reception at 18, uh, kind of gets choked up, uh, you know, talks about it. You know, Rory, the, the way the holes are been, uh, number one and number 18, so you're going out and coming in at the same time. And apparently Rory was teeing off as Tiger Woods was coming up 18, and as they passed each other, Rory kind of gave him the old hat tip. It said, uh, I see you, Tiger, and Tiger getting choked up walking up 18. Uh, no, he's not going to play. He pretty much said, I'm not playing St. Andrews again. I'll be unable to. He said kind of, I'll be too old to play it when it comes back around on the rotation for the Open Championship. But, but Tiger saying goodbye at the Open at St. Andrews today and a lot of people speculating what that means. He said, I'm not retiring. I just don't think I'll be coming back here uh, to play competitive golf. So. Uh, a lot to, to to dig into there, Ben. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, it's, it's we don't have to worry about. Uh, uh, there is no such thing as a slow anything now. Slow Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. When it comes to sports, you talk about SEC media days. You talk about training camps getting ready to open up. But Tiger Woods is a big story. No matter when he, no matter when he decides to go out there and play, Kevin. But you know, if this if this is it for him, which. Anybody that say, oh, man, Tiger Woods had a career in golf. It, it's a long – he was – I mean, if you're Rory, you're thinking to yourself, man, why I got to be 10? Like, like <laughs> why I got to be 10 off right now looking at the GOAT, one of the greatest to ever do it, if not the greatest to ever do it. But, Kevin, he's bowing out gracefully. Like, if the, the game is supposed to retire you, if you play that long, it's supposed to retire you. I don't care who you are and what you are. Kevin, we lived to see what Cal Ripken did in baseball. All those stars can second. Like, we saw Tiger Woods dominate. Like, when you start saying the word dominate, Tiger Woods dominated. Like, he made everybody stand up and watch. He is a household name for what he did on the golf course. But if this is not because, Kevin, you told me how, like, the goal, when it comes back around, that's him coming to the – with him making a decision for himself, even though his body is kind of helping him, it's not like he. It's not like he hasn't done anything. I, I mean, Tiger Woods has done it all. But if he is saying, "This probably gonna be my last time at St. Andrews," I don't thank God that he's Tiger Woods. Because if he was anybody halfway regular, them cameras, he'll still be out there signing <laughs> autographs right now. If he isn't, but Tiger Woods, if it is your last time, sir, well, you have done it all. And, and again, he he said, "Look, this is where you know golf started. It's a special place. He's won two Open Championships there at St. Andrews." Uh, which has kind of been dubbed the uh, dubbed the birthplace of golf. 
Uh, so it was a special place for him. I'm not saying – I feel like everything he said me is leaning towards Tiger Woods. I mean, he's already not playing very much, and nobody would fault him after the accident if he wasn't able to come back. But I feel like, uh, uh, again, uh, Ben, we look for – in sports, we always like to tell people when the story's over instead of letting people write their story. Oh, Stetson, you got a mic dropping. You won the national championship. Why? I still want to play. So he's coming back. Tiger Woods, one of those where people say, oh, man, he's starting to miss cuts at majors, and you obviously he's not what he was. I, he should – no. Tiger Woods – you don't tell Tiger Woods you need to quit playing. I mean, Tiger Woods playing at a major, the birthplace of golf, one of the – you know, a, a beautiful, beautiful course, a lot of history, a lot of tradition. And as he said in his post uh, round, you know, when everybody started cheering, you're at St. Andrews, the birthplace of golf, he said, you just feel everybody, even though I'm not making, he goes, it was one of the most special moments. He goes, he said, I could feel my career tip right there. He's like, it was all, my career was right there. And when you start saying stuff like that, Ben, like Tom Brady has never said anything like that. Tom Brady has never said, man, we went on that last drive. I just felt like it was my career right in front of me. I'm 40 something years old. No, Tom Brady's like, I may play next year. Or I may not. That's not a guy who's contemplating quitting. I think Tiger Woods, when you just read what he says as a human being, you say, soaking it in. When people start saying stuff like, I'm soaking it in, and I can feel my everybody cheering and the warmth I felt, it was my career right there in front of me. You say that kind of stuff when you're like, I'm at peace with whatever's about to happen. Right? And, and, and I'm not trying to kick Tiger Woods to the curb because I feel like yeah. there's people that say, oh, well, I don't want to see him missing cuts and being a shell of himself. That's not for us to say. Tiger Woods can play as long as he wants. Yes. Do we remember the dominance? Yes. Yes. But you also look at him for what he is. Look, he's a guy that I think if you're writing a going out script, even if he's not uh, winning, he's playing majors. He's going to historical venues. It was important for him to play the Masters. It was important for him to play at St. Andrews. That's why he skipped the last major. I think you're looking at a guy saying, look, if this is the last big go-round, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I can play Augusta. And then he, then he said, look, I did everything in my physical power I could do to make it to play at St. Andrews. I gave up another major so I could come here and play. I, I, again, that sounds like a guy to me that's coming to terms with, I've done all I can do at golf. I'm going to go out the way I want to do it, which is playing the, the tournaments that are important to me, whatever that is. Maybe he has another one or two he would like to play. But that's just how I read. A guy who is coming kind of full circle, very appreciative of what golf has done for him. And let's, let's be real. Tiger Woods and the game of golf are not finished. No. Right? I mean, like, like Tiger, Woods is, is, Tiger Woods can do whatever he wants. If Tiger Woods walked out tomorrow and said, guys, I, I, you know, I went out at St. Andrews. I played the historic course. I, just, I can't imagine it ending any different than that other than winning. And I feel like maybe my competitive days are waning. I'm done. Thank you for coming. I'm not going to take any questions. He wouldn't make it back to wherever he left his phone, and his phone would be ringing saying, do you want to do TV? Do you want to do promote, golf promotions? You know that's already happened. Now, you, sure. you already know his. But the thing about Tiger Woods is he deserved. This is the moment he really deserved. He really deserved to say, hey, man, for those of you, for those of you petty people out there that are saying, oh, man, his game is – Really? Like, 
<laughs> you wasn't saying because it took you this long to say something about my game. I mean, at the end of the day, it was gonna come to an end at one point. We just it just goes by fast because we was there for every single moment. And what he did a couple of years ago, you know, at Augusta, I mean, he could have mic dropped it in. It's just a competitive nature in it. But Kevin, certain guys earn the right to say, look. Man, I'm not who I listen. I'm never ever gonna be who I once was. Could sure. I be as good as? Could I be? Could I be as good once as I've ever was? Yeah, I could do it one time. And I think that's what Tiger was saying. Hey, man, what? Tiger Woods didn't win St Andrews. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, like, I like, think, yeah, like, exactly. like, even, even if he would have won it, no one, no one. Oh, Tiger Woods won. No, I think what it is is Kevin. There are there are those guys that make you watch. Like I'm not an avid golfer fan. I'm a Tiger fan. So I'll I'll watch what he does. Certain guys sure. make you do that. So I I do think that you know with Tiger Woods, it's almost if Tiger Woods say he want to play, who gonna stop him? Tiger Woods wants to play. All right, like, all right, cool. But when you start saying when Tiger Woods said, all right, like this is my, when he when he tips his hat the last time, most people when they retire, they 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 sign a one day contract with a team they was with the longest, and it'll it'll make it'll make social media. When Tiger Woods retire, it's going to dominate all television. Sports or not, yeah. and that's what he's done. He's transcended. So, Tiger man, do what you want to do, man. You a freaking billion man. Yeah, it's true. But like, what are we? You know, come on. And I look, I look at the way we kind of see athletes when they get to the latter stages of their career. Ben, you made a great point. You know, just moments before we came on the show, you're like, does anybody really care that Michael Jordan played for the Wizards? Like, like at the end of his career, you could say, all right, Michael Jordan is on the Washington Wizards. I think he was wearing 45 at, at what, what or something at one point. Yeah. He wore 23 for a little bit. He's on the Wizards. Clearly, he was not Air Jordan at that point. But nobody begrudged Michael Jordan of that. Nobody was like, man, Jordan, you're really tainting your legacy playing for the Wizards. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm 6-0 in the finals, and I'm out there. I think he was, what, 39, 40 years old playing with the Wizards? Like, it's, legends like that can do what they want. It's us who are selfishly saying, I remember when you could do this. And Kobe, you know, God rest his soul, his last game, he was out there trying to rekindle some of the magic. But he could 60 points. But he couldn't, I mean, but but again, Kobe couldn't elevate, couldn't do some of those things at the no, end of no, his no, career. No, 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 But so it, it, it go, Kevin. But, but that was the way he chose to go. Yeah. Like, like but, but think about this, Kevin. At the end of the day, that's like somebody saying, I seen Nola Ryan, man. He ain't got it no more. You think what? Like it went at his best. Could you turn away? And the answer is no. What do icons make you do? You don't turn away. Nolan Ryan can't turn away, right? Michael Jordan couldn't turn away. Tiger couldn't turn away because I don't want to go get somebody. Oh, and I didn't see it. No, there are certain people that there are certain athletes that made you go, wow, Carl Lewis. Most people are like, I'm not a track guy, but I know who Carl Lewis is. <laughs> certain people are that yeah. incredible at what they do. Tiger Woods. Sir, you could do no wrong, man. I mean, the mere, and I am not gloating on this. But I am not defending him. The mere fact that the biggest controversy you ever had had nothing to do with golf. Nothing. And I'm not condoning what it was, but people dislike you because of what you did away from golf. Because on, on that golf course, you ain't going to say it to me. You ain't going to say it to Tiger. You ain't going to say it to him. You're going to say it about him. Mr. Woods, have your, if, 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 um, if uh, Tom Brady got whatever he got, whenever he leave the booth, they can't afford Tiger. If they <laughs> gave that to Tom Brady, I mean, what they gave him? They gave him a blank check. Yeah, write in what you want. Yeah, look, I and, and again, I'll be interested to see what the Tiger story is. I just looked at 
his comments and his comments talking about uh, where he's at in the game. And, and it doesn't sound like a guy that is sitting there saying, I have a burning desire to try to go out here and regain what I want. So I'm, I'm appreciating the moment. Do, am I competing as best I can? I mean, look, he didn't make the cut. That's fine. I, I, I don't think anybody cares. I mean, well, yeah. people care because they would have loved to see whatever happened on the weekend. But Tiger Woods was out there playing golf. It captivated the Open Championship for two days. He was must must watch television, and you see the reception as he comes up eighteen. Uh, and he again from a guy Ben who throughout his career, unless he won, unless the final putt went in, you never saw him smile. You saw him get mad. Oh, come on. You saw him do some of that. But you never saw a lot of emotion. Walking up 18, you, kinda, you could tell. It got to him a little bit. And I think he's you – yeah, he, he, He's not a cyborg. Long, <laughs> Listen, this guy was superhuman, right? Sure. Michael Jordan, superhuman. There are certain guys, you know, Magic, uh, Bird, superhuman. The fact that this guy shows, hey, man, I'm human. What do you mean? Like – I can enjoy this now, but when I'm trying to be, I'm the, I don't know I, what I was on the freaking Johnny Carson show, whatever. What, you know, <laughs> I'm on the late show when I'm a baby with a Fisher Price freaking. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, come on, man. This I I grew up on television, and it wasn't a sitcom. Think about it. So, Tiger, look if you if it if you finally crying, take it all in, sir. You have enjoyed it, but golf will not be the same without you. The game will go on, but. Sure. I, wasn't nobody wasn't nobody looking wasn't nobody wearing no red polos and black slacks <laughs> before Tiger came through. So don't act like it. Get That's out right. of here, man. We've got more Get to come here on this Friday. Braves and Nats uh, trying to finish up strong here, heading into the All Star break. We'll get to that. SEC Media Days coming up next week. Sure to be a big time there in Atlanta. We'll touch on that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, 3 and Out on this Friday afternoon. Kevin Thomas, he is Ben Troop. Thanks for making us a part of your day. SEC Media Days next week. Kind of the unofficial start to the college football season. Ben in Atlanta, they go this time, and uh, all 14 teams are uh, going to ascend there. We'll hear from uh, Greg Sankey, who obviously uh, we, we've talked a lot. He'll say some things. He won't say everything, and he'll play it close to the vest. What do you expect to hear from Greg Sankey, kind of on his agenda. Do you think he doubles down on the report that was out there? Again, all we've heard was, you know, confirmed sources and things. That, do you think he'll double down on the, hey, we're cool at 16. We're not We're not looking to go past that. Yeah, I think he has to. I th- because, Kevin, you know, just like I know, I mean, he wants to keep all the attention on, uh, you know, uh, the attendees there. You start saying we're going to go more to 16, then it's going to be, he, he knows he's going to be center stage. He knows that, uh, you know, saying they're going to stay at 16 right now is saying the right things. I, mean, I know he's going to get questions, Kevin, about, you know, how much how much uh, truth is it to where you went to the college football playoff committee and saying, hey, we want to be able to add to the pot. And they was like, no, we good at four right now. That's kind of how then you kind of pull the trigger. After that, you make the announcement about Oklahoma, Texas after that. But Greg Sankey, man, he's, he's a pro. He's a season pro. He, he knows how to say a lot without – listen – if you want to get if you want to get a a uh, a crash course masterclass in filibustering, just 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 listen to these answers. To me, starting with the commissioner, they can say a whole. Kevin, when I first got on radio, I did not, I did not know what filibustering was. BJ gave me this eloquent long, and you go. <laughs> 
Dan, did you hear that? Yeah, that's that was a filibuster. What a whole bunch of nothing. He just told you <laughs> nothing, right? He described what it is to be a cashew. Like no one knows what he's talking about. But Kevin, I, I want to know: Is he willing to say something about nil? Like I don't, because that's what I don't get. They're not gonna make the rules on NIL, right? You you can say something like, where do you see NIL going? Uh, the transfer portal and things of that nature, because with having so many because it used to be transfer portal was based on where you was going outside of your conference. Right. If I got 16 teams, the likelihood of me staying in conference is very high. I got a lot of options now. If I got recruited by, you know, Alabama didn't work out. Okay, LSU. Okay, Florida. Okay, Joe. How how are they going to address that? But Kevin, you know, with a guy like Greg Sankey is, you know, you say, hey man, what goes into a decision like, you know, like Texas and Oklahoma, which we understand the financial gains of it, right? We understand those type of things, but how do you keep those type of things under wraps with so much leaking? How do you keep everything? Nothing comes out before you say it's going to come out. But other than that. Yeah. I mean, Kevin, the most powerful man, the most powerful man in college in college sports, you know, he's going to be on display, you know, come Monday in the ATL. His name is Greg Sankey. He's super duper savvy, super duper easy going, but he knows behind the scenes, I run this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I run this. And and and, and, and well, at the same yeah. time, and at the same time, Kevin, right after that, you're going to hear Saban, Fisher, you know, and, and you know, Kelly, uh, Napier, and on and on and on. So, but center stage, Greg Sankey, you are up, sir. Let the filibustering begin, but I do think he should be with I, I'm, I don't know what hard quote, hard question he's going to answer, but he's going to have to stand firm on that 16 team. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see what if he if he gives the we're not going beyond that, or if he gives kind of the more intriguing answer of, well, you know, we'll never say anything's off the table, but for now, 16's good. You know, like you know, if it, obviously it would have to be the most Special circumstances, you know. Yeah. Like, we're not looking to do it, but, you know, always leave that, uh, that or, wiggle or room Kevin, open. Oh, Kevin, could, it, could a better question be, what is a school, what do, because you know how when it comes to recruiting, they'll say, oh, Alabama's looking for this type of player. Georgia's looking for that type of player. If you are Greg Sankey, we get Texas and Oklahoma. What are you looking for when a team to, to add to? Like, what do you look for in a team to add them? We know what it is, but I want to hear that thing. Oh, I didn't think about that because obviously, hey, I picked Texas and Oklahoma. Well, Captain Obvious should be somewhere around there. Yeah, Captain Obvious is going to be somewhere walking around SME today's. He's going to show his face. But, hey, man, Greg Sankey, he's a guy that's, like I said, he's very, very open. He'll answer a lot of questions. He seems to be very down to earth because he goes, dude, I can't lose. I mean, Y'all just talking about football, and I get it. We win it all in baseball. Look at track. Look at soccer. Look at fo- – listen, I run this thing right now. That's before the other two even get here. But you already know. I'm going to wear all white. When, when, I, when, when Oklahoma and Texas come, I wear it all white, buzzing up in here. I'm cleaning the board. But, yeah, the SEC media days. Sorry, other media days, man. But, once again, yeah. there, are, there are other media days, and then there's – I mean, Big Ten, we're open for business. No, no, Big 12, we're open for business. <laughs> the ACC, I don't even know why they try to do theirs during the same week. That, that don't even make no sense. Why do you? Why do y'all do that? Oh, my God. And then there is SEC. So once yeah. you leave the SEC, people are like, hey, man, we're going to the ACC. No, nah, man, I, you know, I'll look yeah, at the Twitter sphere. The, the ACC, <laughs> yeah, the ACC does a lot of things that don't make a whole lot of sense really, I mean, at the end of the day. But, you know. Yeah, I think you, you you said it right, Ben. He's the most powerful guy in college athletics. If you don't believe so, I don't know what to tell you. When he says something, and, and I would say the same thing for Mike Slive when he was 
uh, you know, rest his soul, when he was the commissioner of uh, the SEC, he was one of the most, was the most powerful. But I think given that the NCAA has kind of thrown their hands up at any of the big decisions that have come down as of late, NIL, uh, you know, transfer portals, kind of like, hey, we'll give you one. I mean, they, we'll give you one free one. I, I think he, when he speaks, people listen and 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 people move their positions uh, into that sort of thing. I think also it's interesting, uh, Ben. You come in there, and normally it is we have the best league. We know we have the best league. We have Alabama. We have a bunch of content. At least in years past, you could say, okay, LSU won it, but Clemson was good. Ohio State was good. You're coming in where Alabama was in the championship game last year and they lost to one of your teams. So one of your teams was there that was really good and another one of your teams beat them. I know that happened before when Alabama and Georgia played before, but now you look around and go, Clemson was kind of so-so last year. They were 10 wins. A lot of people think in a not-as-tough ACC last year uh, where a lot of teams were really struggling. You have a bunch of new coaches in the ACC this year. Uh, as a result of that, Ohio State was was good, but they got ousted by Michigan, who was, I think, a good team. But we saw what Georgia did to them. I, I, I mean, you ha- you had number one and number two in the country with a bullet, and most of people think that they're going to be two of the top three, top four at worst teams in college football, and you have a program in Texas A&M trying to throw their hat in the ring. I mean, you are in a total position of strength here, Ben, coming into these meetings where Norman said, hey, we feel like we have a contender. You might feel like you have two. How many teams do you think could contend for a playoff spot out of the SEC? I know I, I said Texas A&M earlier if things go well because I feel like they have enough talent that maybe they could beat everybody but Alabama and that would keep them out of the SEC championship game. But... Is there a third contender that could vie for a playoff spot there in the SEC? I mean, a, a slim maybe with Texas A&M. And that's based off of Kevin, the fact that what they did in recruiting and the fact that they beat Alabama last year. The problem is they also lost Mississippi State. See, that's the thing about Texas A&M. They'll get up for a team like Alabama, but they'll lose to a team, you know, in Starksville. Stark Vegas to you Mississippi State fans. I don't see it being more than two because, Kevin, there is something about preparing your team Year in and year out, off, you know, uh, you know, off season in, off season out, spring practice in, spring out to get ready to be a contender. Because now to say they are contender, that means, hey man, can they compete with Ohio State? Mm-mm. I don't see Texas and them being there. Georgia and Alabama, absolutely. And maybe, and maybe like a, I don't know, depending on what a Oklahoma does, depending on what a, you know, I've seen some outside chances of maybe, like maybe like you know, obviously Clemson going if they have a resurgent year. But the thing about Texas and them is. We know a lot about Texas A&M because of the momentum that they have. The problem is they don't, they're not that team week in and week out. They're good enough to beat anybody that step on the field with, and they're, and they're good enough to lay an egg. So because of that, I'm going to say, too, Georgia and Alabama has, you know, positioned themselves, you know, gotten real comfortable at that number one. Because that's another thing, Kevin. How do you deal with being number one, number two in the country? Georgia was number one all season, like all season long. That is hard to maintain. I think a team like Texas A&M got the infrastructure, got the coaches, got the players, the wins. I don't see them. I don't see them going. You know, to, to now can they compete in the SEC? Yeah, can they compete in the West? Yes. College football playoff nationally? Uh, uh-uh. uh. 
I, I, I still see in them. I got to see. I got. I, I'm going to give this recruiting class a year or two to kind of, you know, uh, get their foot under them. Maybe, maybe 2023, we may be talking something different. But last time I checked, Georgia is the defending national champion. Alabama got the two best players in the country at defensive end. You ain't dealing with that, man. And that's, it's, it's going when they put, when Texas and play Alabama this year. May God bless them. It is going <laughs> to get ugly. And you notice Jimbo Jimbo made declarations last year. Kevin, remember when? Oh, if you're gonna beat Alabama this year, have you heard that at all this year? And you're not gonna hear it. Ain't nobody saying nothing about that. Well, 2021 is not 2022. Sorry, Texas A&M. Great off season top. Great off season uh, material on the field though. Shoot, y'all got to y'all y'all beat Alabama last year. Can you not lose to Mississippi State two years in a row? That's what they up against. That's and again, you talk about Alabama, Ben. And we'll hear a lot about this next week, but. We heard a lot of folks uh, from SEC Media Days last year tell us if you're going to beat Alabama, 2021 is the year to do it. We had multiple people say that. If you're going to beat Alabama, 2021 is the year to do it. And that was a team that had Brady Mechie, that had guys moving on to the National Football League. And you look at who they're bringing back. As you said, Ben, it is not not an unreasonable take to say they have the best offensive player and the best defensive player in college football. And this is on a team that went to the championship game last year, won the SEC last year, and finished second to a team in their own conference in the national championship game, and they'll be better. They could be better than what they were last year. So that's a scary proposition. Do you think it's shaping up to be that way where – it's the same old, same old. Oh, Nick Saban didn't win it last year. He's going to be in real good shape to win it this year, and his team is going to be really, really good. Yes, and that's you. And that's usually what happens with Alabama, right? They they they'll lose a year, win a year, lose a year. Well, think about think about you know Will Anderson. Think about Bryce Young. While they, while they're dominating uh, as far as like, even though I think Will Anderson should have been uh, in a, in New York last year, um, I think that for me, Kevin. You, we talking about Bryce Young. We talking about Will Anderson. They got Jameer Gibbs. They got Ricks. They got Hero <laughs> Tola. They got Jermaine Burton. I mean, Jermaine Burton comes over from Georgia. Hero Tola. Tola. I was just thinking he coming over Tennessee. Jameer Gibbs coming over from freaking Georgia Tech. Ricks coming over from LSU. They also might have the best safety in the country. What are we saying? Like, 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 like come on, people. Like, Alabama won the SEC, and we act like. And they lost to Georgia. <laughs> but yeah, they lost to Texas A&M. I get that part too. But Kevin, once again, you know what people wasn't experience is better than talent because now I I know what the expectation is. Somebody said that Will Anderson could skip the whole year and still be a top five pick. I wouldn't blame him. That kid is a beast. So I just I, Kevin, this is what it is. We all know about Bryce. We all know about Will Anderson. I'm guaranteed. What Alabama does, they introduce us to the next star. Every year it's going to be, oh, oh, I, you, you like this guy? Look at the guy on the other side. Or look at this guy. Look at that guy. That's what Jameer Gibbs is in Tuscaloosa. Oh, my God. Man, they got, listen, listen. They, I mean, they got a wealth of riches going on in Tuscaloosa right now. Five-star talent, five-star culture. And if you beat them last year, good luck <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> this is the thing, Kevin. This year. They want to win the SEC, and they want to yeah. win the Natty. It's the, right. it's the Nick Saban the payback <laughs> tour, right? What little payback he actually gets to serve up uh, is, the, is the payback tour. We got more to come 
here on this Friday. It's three and out. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com as well as live video streaming Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. ESPN Coastal there on YouTube. You can give us a follow and catch the show every single day. If you miss the show, you can go back and watch it there on YouTube as well. We'd love to hear from you. 912-342-7184. Can anybody content? with Alabama and Georgia there in the SEC. We'll get to that in more. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out. On this Friday, SEC Media Days next week, obviously Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, going to be some of the headliners as the coach. Although the SEC, Ben, is filled with big names. I mean, even the ones that aren't going to necessarily contend for the conference championship this year. I mean, you're talking about Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, that's uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin. I mean, you are loaded with good coaches and f- famous coaches at, at that. <laughs> Guys whose reputations precede them, uh, so to speak. So I would say I think you and I would agree Kirby and Nick Saban at the top. They both have natties. Well, well. Nick's obviously got a few more than everybody else, but Kirby and, uh, and Nick Saban both have national championships. I know Jimbo Fisher does, but with Florida State. Where do you see that kind of that coaching tier? Because me, like, tier two is full of a bunch of guys uh, right now in the SEC. You know, the Brian Kellys. I know Jimbo's got a title, but not at A&M. I would put him in there with you know, Brian Kelly, Jimbo. How do you see tier two, and is it really – Packed full of guys there in the SEC, and, and it's because it's because of where they coach, not what they've actually done uh, yet. Billy Napier is always going to be a headliner because he's at Florida. You always going to be a headliner no matter where you are. Brian Kelly is a headliner for two reasons: one, because he's at LSU, and two, because you left Notre Dame to do it. That's going to make you a headliner. I think Coach Hypel at Tennessee and what he's done, headliner, right? I think that, you know, Lane Kiffin is always going to be a headliner because of his his reputation and what he's doing at Ole Miss. And Mike Leach is a headliner because of Mike Leach. Not necessarily because of Mississippi State, but because he's Mike Leach. Sam Pittman doesn't get the headlines like he should, but he's a really, 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 really good coach. It's just that Arkansas is always going to be that team that, you know, you say, hey, man, they are they overachieving? And, you know, is it going to be a flash in the pan? I don't think, I don't think either is true. But, Kevin, that tier two – to be, it is Jimbo, Billy Napier, Brian Kelly, Hypo, and for my money, uh, and my, for my money, Lane Kiffin. Because the thing is, Lane Kiffin got the name and the offense. Uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher's at Texas A&M with the national championship, and LSU, and well, another guy too. I'm sorry, what am I? Coach Harson at freaking Auburn. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely. For, and for a lot of reasons. One, because Auburn is a big-time program. You know, let's call it what it is. And those, and these headlines, Kevin, like sometimes the negative headlines actually make you more intriguing as a coach. But that tier two is really serious because I think Nick Saban and uh, Kirby Smart has just, you know, uh, elevated themselves to another level with Nick Saban obviously being still still at a high level than Kirby, even though Kirby, you know, finally got welcomed to the National Championship Club, which is very, 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 very uh, – you know, a uh, short list. But, yes, that tier two, Kevin, Brian Kelly, LSU, Billy Napier, Florida. Because this is the thing. I look at it like this. Take away national championships. Just say everything is even, which it never will be. If you say Brian Kelly, LSU, Billy Napier, uh, University of Florida, Jimbo Fisher, T- 
Texas A&M, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, Josh Heupel, you know what I'm saying, Tennessee. Yeah. Just saying it out loud, yes, these guys are some of the biggest coaches in the country or in the same conference, and these guys are getting it done. Tennessee, no one saw them doing that last year. Billy Napier, because you at Florida. You're going to talk about a guy. But, I mean, listen, Coach, Coach Mark Stoops do an incredible job. Coach Eli Drake would do an incredible job. Sam Pittman do an incredible job. But everybody, I mean, even, even we'll see what Coach Beamer's going to do with South Carolina. Everybody ain't going to be uh, top tier. These are top tier conference don't mean you had a top tier program. I think tier, I think tier two though, Kevin, and the SEC is loaded. Yeah. And you've got some really good guys that uh, I think are going to be places of tough spots because, again, they're all chasing the goat uh, there in, in Nick Saban. Uh, but again, Brian Kelly, I'm that to me, Ben, you, you mentioned earlier, when you talk about coaches, he's the guy that comes in immediately is in the, I think that second tier of coaches. Why? Cause he's very good winning his coach at Notre Dame, got into playoffs, did everything at Notre Dame, but win a national championship. And now you come to LSU, which has had good runs and had some swings, uh, there as well, where they, they obviously dipped. Uh, you know, a little bit last year. And how does he contend? Not just now, but in the changing yeah. landscape of the of the SEC. Because, again, you and I both think we're not making it to 2025 before Texas and Oklahoma get in there. So, you got this year, 2022, 2023, and that might be it. 2024, they might be in there. And you got to beat Jimbo Fisher, who's been committed, what, uh, basically $100 million dollars. Nick Saban, the all-time goat, not go. I mean, we talk about Tiger. Well, I mean, who knows when Nick Saban's going to be ready to do something else? I, everybody in the SEC is like Nick. Please, get, you know, the golf course is looking nice. Uh, do something else. But how does Brian Kelly contend there? Because you, you talk about, as you said, coming to the big time that the SEC touts itself as, where at least in the current setup. I say that because we know it's going to change. In the current setup, you must beat Nick Saban. You must beat Jimbo Fisher just to finish first on your own side. And that's not discounting. You better be on your toes trying to beat Brian Harston at Auburn, trying to beat Lane Kiffin, who's obviously an offensive guru there at Ole Miss. And as we've seen, Mike Leach can be pretty crafty there in Starkville, and we just totally glossed over Sam Pittman, who's got Arkansas playing well. So you got to come in and contend with that, where over the last few years at Notre Dame, Obviously, you've played some ACC schools, and I, I again, people say, oh, well, I don't know how the rotation was determined, but I know they've played Boston College quite a bit, who's been okay, but uh, there's been some Syracuse in there and some teams like that, North Carolina at times, uh, who have been, a, you know, an okay football team, but you're also playing, uh, what, the Purdue's, you play the annual games against Navy, Air Force, uh, and uh, some of those, so... Are you playing a schedule that's as tough as you think it was while you were at Notre Dame as to what you're about to walk into here in year one? Where, again, I don't, without looking, you know they got Florida, which, okay, talent-wise, probably could win that game. You got Alabama, though, tough. Jimbo Fisher, uh, Ole Miss. You are going to run a gauntlet here this year where I think we're going to find out what Brian Kelly can do in year one. Can he, because he's got some talent, he needs more. Can he kind of pull the coaching rabbit out of the hat and win more more ball games there at LSU? 
Christian is I mean, totally I mean, annoying me, right? Now. I mean, he better, I mean <laughs> Kevin, you know, you know, I, you know what I was what I would say to Brian Kelly is welcome to the SEC. I mean, nobody listen, nobody felt bad for Coach O. Nobody felt bad for Kirby. Those guys had to run the gauntlet to be able to win the uh the sure. SEC to win the national championship. Brian Kelly has this on his side. You are not recruiting the same player at Notre Dame, but you are recruiting at the uh, at LSU. He feels as though he can go out there and get these players. When you you are going to get the best players in the state of Louisiana, bar none. You are at, you are at the biggest brand in the state, the flagship university in Louisiana. You should be able to go out there and compete. Because Kevin, you're going to have to justify leaving Notre Dame, and I know you're getting more money, but. The one thing that the one thing, just like I said with Billy Napier yesterday, uh, yesterday Billy Napier gonna have to find a way to get to Atlanta because Jim McElwain <laughs> and Dan Muller made it to Atlanta. Didn't do much when they got there. Well, Dan Muller had a good show on, but Jim McElwain not so much. When you talk about a guy like Brian Kelly, you're gonna you're gonna have to do with LSU, which you could not do at Notre Dame. You're gonna have to win, and I'm talking about winning that. Because Coach O did it, Les Miles did it, obviously Nick Saban did it. But Kevin, you were recruiting a different type of player. But this is the thing. Once again, if you're not going to win the West this year, how do you look at competing in the West? You want to be close to two, three. You don't want to be, you know, four and five. Because then it's like, what do they got to look forward to? So I do think, Kevin, no one's going to feel bad for a Brian Keller who left the biggest brand, the biggest brand in college football. Sure. That's no thing. That, like, I, you know, the, you know, I don't care how you feel about it, Texas fans. Right, they are the biggest brand in 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 our college football. I mean, in college, but you left there to go to LSU. All right, getting more money, I get it. But but you obviously like got Jimbo, something to prove Kevin. doing it though. Oh yeah, but just like Jimbo, Kevin, we're not giving you this money because you Brian Kelly. We giving you this money because hey, we expect you to go out there and get it done. Because unfortunately, the one thing that has the one thing that every single fan base, I don't care who you are, have they are naive. They see what no one else sees. They believe what no one else believes. Well, perception and reality gonna have to meet when it comes to Brian Kelly because he's gonna have to go out there and prove and prove it to her because Kelly because Kevin, while there are no mulligan seasons, you can't have a dud either. You can't go out there year one and go, hey man, we six and six. Uh-uh. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to be able to compete, you know, yeah. at college station. You're gonna have to be able to compete, you know, uh, you know, up, you know, up there, you know, uh, in old Miss, Mississippi State. And then when you do play Florida, you you know you're gonna have to have a good showing, if not win that game, because Kevin, year two is what everybody looking to in year one. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to have something to go off of. We'll come back. We've got more to come. SEC Media Days next week going to be an awful lot of fun. Falcons training camp opening in two weeks. We'll get to that coming up in about thirty minutes here on the show. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, we're glad you're with us. We'll get to take three coming up next hour. Also, the Falcons, their training camp opens two weeks from today. And that's either good news or bad news, depending on uh, on your perspective uh, as the way things sit there in Flowery Branch. But we'll talk about that, uh, Ben, when we get there in hour number two. But uh, the Open Championship, Cameron Smith leads it 13 under. Rory McIlroy is at minus 10. Dustin Johnson at minus 9 uh, in the clubhouse. So it's going to be a, an interesting leaderboard there heading into the weekend. But the story, obviously, for today, Ben, Tiger Woods missing the cut plus 9. And the walk-up 18, if you haven't seen a video of it or had a chance to watch it, uh, just a moment in uh, you know, golf history where Tiger had been pretty outspoken saying, look, 
I want to play at a high level. This is a special place. I don't know how much longer I'll be able to play at a high level, uh, but I wanted to play at St. Andrews. actually skipped the U.S. Open so he would be healthy enough to play at the uh, the Open Championship uh, this week. Didn't make the cut, but uh, again, got the walk-up 18. Uh, the, the standing ovation from the crowd kind of got choked up about it. Uh, and one of the rare times you will see Tiger Woods show emotion on the golf course uh, there. And that was the walk-up 18 as he finished out uh, his round at the Open Championship today. Tiger Woods, one of those ones. I mean, one of those special ones. I mean, where he, he's not, now, Kevin, everything you do now is where will you win? Tiger Woods did this and did that. But look, if this is his last time in St. Andrews, he's done it all at St. Andrews. Won that twice. Standing ovations, the least the fans can do. Appreciation is what you show. We appreciate you, Tiger. This is your last time in St. Andrews, sir. Take a bow. You have done it all. Yeah, and again, uh, going out uh, on on his terms, uh, at least it would appear. And again, I'm I'm not going to say how much more he's going to play, but again, made it a point to play at one of the at the birthplace of golf, special place in the history of golf, place where he won two major championships and doing it there. We'll get to that and take three and more when we come back on three and out. Great to be back. Hour two on this Friday. Braves and Nationals coming up in just a little bit. Game two of four. It will be Ian Anderson, his final start before the All-Star break. Going for the Atlanta Braves. Braves trying to cut it down to a two-game lead by the New York Mets. If they can win it uh, tonight, we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But uh, good to have you along here on the show. Ben, it is 4 o'clock. we got to take three here on three and out. All right, take one, Ben. They have announced all the participants in the Home Run Derby. Ronald Acuna is one of them. And he will match up against Pete Alonzo. I think he's the defending champion at that. So a tough first-round matchup for Acuna. How many homers do you think he hits in the first round on Monday night? Kevin, I mean, the thing about it, you, you always let me know when it comes to that Home Run Derby. It's all about it's all about rhythm. Sure. It's all about getting to your rhythm sooner rather than later. I see him getting about round eight. Okay. Because the fact about Ronald Acuna Jr., once he gets going, that thing gonna, I mean, that thing going to be out of there. But what makes me nervous is, I mean, he's going up against Peter Long. I mean, you're going up against the back, the back, you know, the two-time defending champ. I am very, I am, listen, I am rooting for Peter Lonzo to do well, not because, no, he got on the right color just for the wrong squad. I mean, he went to Florida, so I can still root. <laughs> but in the back of my mind, but in the back of my mind, uh, hey, I, you're I, gonna I, hold I, it's a, it's a, it's a cool year, it's a cool year all day. And I just hope, Kevin, let's just go, Pete, if you gotta go, move to the side for the young phenom known as Ronald Acuna. Ronald, put him out. Here's the, here's the thing. I, I, too, would like Ronald Acuna to move on to round two. Here's the thing that, that I'm I'm going to stand on when it comes to this, because this is a specialty event, right, Ben? Yes. Pete Alonso weighs like 260 pounds. I'm, he does not that big. He's like 240. Oh, he, 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 ain't his name Polar Bear? Yeah, he's on, he's on Team Thick. Team, team, team Swole. Ronald Acuna weighs like 180. All, right, I, I, all I'm saying is it's not a boxing match, but the more you do, the more you got to rely on that muscle, that uh, to get you when you get tired. I'm going to say Acuna, I'm going to go under what you said. I'm going to say five. I feel like that's disrespectful, but 
I mean, Pete Alonso, I think, could do like 12 without batting an eye in the first round. It's going to be a tough uphill battle for Acuna. I mean, people forget, I think Matt Olson was in it. He's got a nice swing. Matt Olson was in it, uh, what, last year? I think he only hit like three. Freddie Freeman was in it. I think he hit like two. I don't, Freddie I don't, Freeman sit there behind down. Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. Y'all look, no, I no, will but say I'm saying, but Acuna is a home run hitter, but I think when you see it in the game, it's – Hey, it's my it's I've I've been playing in the field. I'm back up to bat. I got one of three swings to try to send this thing yard. Is Acuna's body built to yak like nine in a row out of the ballpark? Uh, with, with, without a break. That's what I'm his, saying. His body, his body, no, no. Like the only the only person who would run Acuna is bigger than he say, "What's up?" You know, it's Ozzy and maybe like Altuve. <laughs> That's about it. I mean, it, he's not that small, but I mean, I'm just saying when you look when you look at I mean, I'm saying when you look at the guys who do home run derby, like I think he'll do it at some point. Like Austin Riley, yeah, big, big. Pete Alonso, Juan Soto this year, uh, Albert Pujols is in it. I mean, these are dudes. Big. They don't skip leg day and they don't skip meals. You know what I'm saying? They That's all skip, I'm saying. Listen, listen, listen. What they tell the nutritionist? What do you want? I want carbs. That's what I want. <laughs> I mean, you can at me. I don't, I don't care. But I, was like, I, I wanted him to win. But right. I mean, he Bryce Harper. I mean, Bryce Harper. Big dude. Like, yeah. Big. I'm saying cool. Home run derby guys look like football players with a baseball uniform on. out there hacking at that thing. That's what they look like. Big dude. So I feel like he's at a disadvantage from that standpoint. I still think he's going to get his. But it's not going to be enough to beat Pete Alonso. I'm going to say he gets five in the first round. And that's not enough. Which yeah. I think is an okay showing. Maybe if he goes 12 or 10. The problem is, I think Pete Alonso, as you said, he can get in that groove where it's like 9 or 10 swings and he's just got more in the tank. Where yeah. if, if Acuna's going to do that, I feel like you're going to have to expend a lot of energy on like home runs 8, 9, 10, 11 to really get him out there. That's just, again, maybe I'm selling Acuna short, but I feel like there's a little difference in, hey, first swing of the game, yeah, you know, versus – I got to do this for a minute and a half straight. Just bomb, 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 bomb. You know, like it, it's t- even Pete Alonso, those guys. When you see them get, when they're done, they're like, "Whew, man, that was tough." I, I, I'm wondering if he's got the size. He's got the swing to do it. Does he got the oomph to hit like ten or twelve out there in a minute and a half? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if if, if anybody can, to defy the odds, it All is right. a wrong Queen. So I'm, I'm gonna write Ben down for eight. And Kevin is going with five. We'll we'll, co- we'll we'll compare notes on Tuesday on the show and see how wrong or right we were at the end of the day. How about that? All right, Ben, moving along. Take two. Tiger Woods did not make the cut this weekend. I know he said, made an emphatic statement, I'm not retiring. Do you expect Tiger Woods to play in another major? And if so, when? I do, I do I do expect him to play in another major, Kevin, and I think he's the one in Augusta. I think that for a guy like Tiger Woods, it's like you saying, it's like, look, Tiger has realized this, dude. I don't got that pep in my step no more. Like, I'm not making the cut at St. Andrews. Like, I'm not making the cut at St. Andrews. I mean, I'm telling, I'm telling the I'm telling my driver, don't even turn the car off. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> now that's disrespectful. <laughs> and, and, and Kevin, the thing is, right? I, I just think that when you think about a guy like Tiger, if it's if it's the Masters, right, and he loses, but he makes the cut, he can walk away. Okay, I made the cut, boom. But not making the cut, 
nah, nah, nah. He, we, we, I think the ego in him and the competitor in him is not going to let it be St. Andrews. Now, it's not going to be that because our one Christian O'Kell told us, hey, man, we asked him last time he was in the Masters, can he win it? He like, yeah, he won it. I don't think he got to win the major that he's in either. I just think he has to be competitive. Like, did I make it? Did I make it to Sunday? Because bowing out Thursday for uh-uh. No, so I, think, I do think, and Kevin, once he's done that, which, you know, putting on my, you know, us, you know, psychiatrist glasses and hat. I think that because at the, no, 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 it's really no point now. Like, let me say, he, he, he don't yeah. got to do anything else, but I think for his sake, he wants to have that Kobe 60 point night. Like what, now what that is to him. But how hard I is, I was going to say, how hard is that to get in golf? Like at least it, with it, Kobe, it, you could say, I don't care if we win, just keep getting me the ball and we'll, and we'll make it happen. I, I think again, to me, that would be kind of the the perfect end because Tiger, as you're seeing as he gets older, a lot of people said, hey, he's out there grinding and doing this and that. It's like he respects the traditions of golf. You saw it this yeah. week with St. Andrews, birthplace of golf. I think, as you said, if it's going to be one to hang it up at, and he talked about how he really soaked it in 18, I do think it would be like, all right, if I ever decide I'm, I'm just not going to do it, I'm going to give it one more pop at Augusta. And let that be it. I think that would be a way for him to to do. I don't know because if that's, that's going to happen because, because that's the one. That's the one, Kevin. To me, that's the one turn. That's the one major that everybody. Watch, that's whether you watch golf or not. That's not based sure. on if you're a golf fan or not. But like I said, Kevin, what Kevin? It's like this. Okay, they say, all right, Kevin, you got one baseball stadium to go to. You only get one more. I, you know what I'm saying. Obviously, yeah. being a Braves fan, you go, well, dude, which one? Listen, listen, you're going to throw out the first pitch, okay? Uh, you're going to have to bet. You're going to be up in the booth. Like, that would be hard to pick because that's not based on fandom at that point. That's, dude, I only get yeah. one? Oh, my. And that's kind of what Tiger is saying, bruh. Hey, man. And his trainers are saying, yeah, bruh, I you ain't got the one more I don't think he's got – I mean, I think if he uh, – he said he's not retiring, but, I mean, for Tiger Woods, to me, I feel like whatever it's going to be – the last tournament he plays in is going to be a major. Like, he's not going to go to the Transmutual Open and be like, that was fun, fellas. I'm out. Like, I, I, just, like, I just don't feel like that's going to happen. Right? I feel like he's going to go at a major, and it's going to be like, you know what? It's time. And and, and it, uh, I, I'm at peace. And he seems like a guy that's coming to peace with it, with kind of how he's talked about the Open Championship this week and, uh, and some of the things and and how he, uh, how he dealt with it uh, moving forward. All right, moving ahead, uh, Ben, take three. If I can read my own writing here on the paper. All right, here we go. Trade deadline coming up end of the month, which is also in two weeks. So well, a little bit more than two weeks. I think uh, two weeks for Sunday. Is there or what move would you like to see Alex Anthopoulos pull off, if any, before the trade deadline? Kevin, I mean, sure, sure up that left field. I mean, you know, because we, 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 I mean, if you can get you a solid – you know, left fielder, I think it'd be great. And I and I and I'm all if you can add a bullpen piece, because the great thing about the great thing about this team is, I mean, you don't have a lot of holes to fill. Uh Ozzie is gonna be back sooner rather than later. You got Robinson Cano right there. I just think that for me, you can always add a bullpen piece, you know, and you can always, you know, cause Will Smith do, you know, he do scare me sometimes when you know, they run his <laughs> behind out there. And I think that I think left field, the great Michael Harris has done so much. Cause he's sure it up. I mean, that's center. I mean, him playing, doing what he's doing at center field and what he's providing at the plate. I just think that Ozzy's coming back. 
you give me a left fielder, you know, you, you add a solid bullpen piece. But this thing, Kevin, <laughs> this was scary though about that. If you watch baseball, you won't want to be. Do you want? Do you want to? Do you want somebody? You know? Do you want somebody? You know? Uh, a prospect for the Braves to do that, or is there a tradable piece that oh, yeah. that you can? That because that's the thing. I'm not talking about a core piece. I'm talking about a tradable yeah. piece right now on this team that you can go get. Because I I do believe if you are any other 29 teams, hey man, I want one of your guys. Like I see what you guys are doing. Yeah. And sometimes my farm system is your farm system, break. I will take one of your guys. If you are willing to build. Well, I if I'm get my my choice, I'm trading Marcelo Zuna. And I say this for a number of reasons. One, I think he's an expendable piece given the lineup you have. If he goes, you have other guys who can fill that DH role. I know Adam Duvall hasn't had a great year at the plate. He can fill that role. We've seen Contreras fill that role. Uh, I, I think you have guys on that team that can step in when he's not catching. Travis Darno can fill that role. Uh, we've seen guys be able to do that. And I think you can go out and, as you said, shore up left field and or DH. And I think the best way to do that would be Marcelo Zuna. Hey, do you want to bat with some pop? A guy that can DH? Here you go. And we're looking for a short-term guy. And by short-term, I mean like maybe a guy who's got one year left on his deal. He's in the final year of his contract. And he's going to give us A-plus ball uh, the last two months because he's looking to get paid. At the end of this thing. I mean, you know, kind of, i.e. what happened with Jock Peterson and, and some of those guys. Like, hey, I'm looking to get paid at the end of this thing. Mar- gonna- Mar- Marcel, Marcel will get you a nice prospect. I mean, he can, I mean, well, I mean the we'll see. track is one thing, but, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think we'll see. Uh, to me, he's the most, he's the guy that plays the most that I would be most willing to part with, if that makes sense. Like, he's not a bench guy. He DHs. He plays almost every day. I'd be most willing to part with that to get something returned because I feel like at DH, I can pretty much find anybody that can come in and give me some production day in. Even if that's a rotating spot. Hey, you have the DH today. You have the, I, I feel like I can find somebody to put it in there uh, that'll make it worth my while. So to me, I would like to see him try to move Marcelo Zuna. Now, you know, this is fandom. Just because you want to move somebody doesn't mean you can, but I would like to see him at least try uh, to maybe float him out there and see what you could get coming back in return. That's take three. We do it every single day here at this time. Ben, always fun uh, throwing that around what is going to be fun in a couple of weeks is watching the Falcons throw it around when training camp starts I have a question for Ben because I thought about this earlier today I'm interested to get your thoughts when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons and how true this could be and maybe how scary it is what am I talking about we'll get to that next it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network it is three and out on this Friday I'm Kevin Thomas he's been Troop Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We are also streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. And you can watch us there on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So you can uh, listen to us on the radio, Radio Network, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, as well, Ben Troop, as uh, we roll along two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, Flowery Branch will be hopping with the sound of the Atlanta Falcons back at, uh, at training camp. I was going to start by asking what the big questions were, but I'll get to that in a minute. Because something piqued my interest earlier today. I'm not going to lie. I was perusing around and saw ESPN had their, they're running through the gamut of who's the top five at this position or whatever. I I think today it was offensive tackles. And it got me thinking, Ben, who do the Falcons have 
that could even be considered top five at their respective positions on the squad right now. Do they have a top five player anywhere on the field? And by, by that, I mean at their position, top five in the league. Do they have one of those anywhere on the field? Man, this how this how this how mighty the fall. Or how they say how the mighty have fallen. Yes. Look, number one is Kyle Pitts. I think he's a top five tight end right now. Right, that goes without saying. I mean, Kevin, that, that's, that, that, that he is. I, I right, think he uh, is. Uh, I say that after rookie, he had one touchdown. All right, give me your top tight end because we say this all the time. When you say top five, use that top tight ends. Travis Kelsey. Okay, keep going. Uh, George Kittle. Darren Waller. All right, you're at three already. Mark Andrews. Kyle Pitts. Locked in on that? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. I don't mind saying that. I don't mind. Because this thing, Kevin, because it's what you don't realize, right? And, and I and I love the tight end position. I don't know most of them. It's a whole bunch of, it's a whole bunch of old Shaq Hennessy's running around <laughs> at the tight end position in the NFL right now. I mean, you got Jaseki, you know, you got Goder, so you got a bunch of guys that could be in that fifth position. Make them Schultz over up there with the, with the Cowboys. So you got some really, really good tight ends. Um, Irv Smith Jr., you know, Albert O.K., you got some good guys. No offense, you know, Teacher Hawkinson. But what but for my money, I think Kyle Pitts is the top five. Now, All right. Kevin, this is when it really gets sad. You know where else we top five? Young Way Crew. That, 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 that's it. Like is and, and, a, and this is, is AJ, is AJ Terrell close at corner? Yeah. Oh, 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 yes, yes. You look at Kevin pulling the rabbit out of hat. Yes, AJ Terrell is a top. Five. So AJ Terrell. So he's five. He's so, a top so AJ, five. Yeah, I, I'll give him top. I'll give him top five. Yes, you know I'll give him top five. Yes, AJ Terrell, Young Way Cool, and obviously Kyle Pitts. You know what the problem with that is? Ain't a running back in sight. Ain't a receiver in sight. No O lineman in sight. No D. Oh my God. No D lineman in sight. Is now, Grady Jarrett top ten? Yeah, I, yeah. Grady Jarrett is top ten. Okay. But Kevin, but Kevin, this is the difference. No linebacker in sight. <laughs> not. Not. Kevin, even. This, is this is a difference in the top five <laughs> interior D lineman. If the Falcons are in the Super Bowl last year against against uh, Cincinnati, can Grady Jarrett make those last two plays that uh, Aaron Aaron? Well, that's not uh, fair. I mean, I don't think anybody no, no, makes no, no, those no, no, plays. No, 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 no. You missing what I'm saying? I'm not saying he can't make a make a play. Can he make the play during during you know during that sequence? That's all I'm saying. I mean, there may be one defensive tackle in the league who can make that play, and he made it. That's 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 all I'm saying. I'm not trying to say you're wrong. I'm just saying there's one D tackle in the league that can make those plays. No, no, and no, he, no, no, and no, he no, made no. them. And, no, no, but Kevin, but this is what I'm saying. Though this is what I'm saying. When it comes to top five guys, right? When it comes to top five, right? Like you, AJ Terrell got the. You always talk about the last play of the Super Bowl. The reason why Aaron Donald, thank God he got there, because Jalen Ramsey has gotten toasted on the outside by one Jamar Chase. That's going to be a touchdown. What I'm saying is, top five means they're going to come. Listen, they're going to come to me with them. Got nobody else. That's how I looked like last year with Kyle Pitts. They ain't have much. They went to him. Now, they, they eliminated him in the red zone. Young Way Cool, do you expect him to not make the kick? I expect him to make it, even in dire circumstances. Top five means I'm a top five player on the planet, not just in the league. I'm one of the top five cornerbacks, top five tight ends, top five. So the thing about Atlanta is they lack depth at every position. If you rank the receivers in the league, <laughs> no. Like, seriously, if you just rank the uh-huh. receivers, is all the take going to come up? No. 
Is Cordell Patterson? No. I mean, the, 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 no. In terms of and experience, Kevin, yeah. Here it is. Are you? Where would you even rank in your division? No, no, like, not even that. I, I, I mean, this is honest. I mean, Ben, this is honest. Honest to God. Given that you would just do, do the Falcons have a top thirty receiver? That's assuming that each team has got one guy that's pretty good, right? I mean, do they even have a top thirty receiver in the National Football League right now? I'm not saying they don't have guys that could be good, but as it sits right now, they don't even have a top thirty receiver. And, and Kevin, that and Kevin, that, that Kevin, was my point when I was sitting back. I'm like, my God, you were talking about top fives, and I'm going, they may not have two two top and five Kevin, players in the whole team. Kevin, you are Kevin. Terry Farno, you know, he he he's out sick for a week. They call Kevin Thomas for <laughs> the team. Right? Kevin is up there. Kevin, you walk in real optimistic. All right, yeah, man. And you close the door and go, what is this? Like, yeah, like, I'd probably be oh, saying man. what Terry Fontenot says behind closed doors. Oh yeah, Terry, listen, listen, Mrs. Fontenot. Oh, she know how she know oh. she really knows how he feels. The happiest day the he's he the happiest day he's gonna have is when Super Bowl is over, and he goes, all this money's coming off the books, and I got some money to spend. Finally, <laughs> I can go out and make some moves here. But anyway, I mean, I, well, 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 this is the thing, Kevin. Robinson Cano is an older player, but 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 he's been productive enough. So, okay, he's just a fill in. When people go, Lorenzo, when people go, okay, man, you know, we got Carter, you know, we got Carter coming over from, uh, you know, Lorenzo Carter coming over from uh, the Giants. Somebody, the Georgia Bulldog? Yeah. Okay. We got Alden Tate coming over from Cincinnati. From Florida State? Yeah. We got Brian Edwards coming over from the Raiders. South Carolina? Yeah. Keep going. Uh, we got T's Table. Okay, Florida. Okay, I like it. Okay, we got Casey Hay. Okay, but this thing, Kevin, nobody made you go, wow, you see who the Falcons got? No offseason pick this week, this year. And guess where they go? But they got Marcus Mariota. Please, man, let's not do this. <laughs> like, let's not do this, man. Because, Kevin, once again, talent is going to, it's going to, it's going to, listen, it's going to run every sport. I don't care who you are. You need a collection of talent. Sure. Co- potentially, listen, if you're not a pro bowler, I need you to be a pro bowler type talent. Most right. guys in the league ain't making no pro bowlers. Like, but that's what, but, I mean, but, but Ben, I was, my, my whole point of that when you're when to, to bring that up was when I you know I started thinking about that like top top five players at a position. If you're going to contend, you got to have probably at least a couple of those at yeah. the key spots. I.e., like, hey, do I have yes. a top five DN? Yes. Do I have a top five tackle on the left or right side? I do. Do I have a top five interior uh, defensive lineman? I might. Do I have a top five defensive back? No, but one of my safeties probably is. Do I have a top five uh, potential receiving target? Maybe you need some. The Falcons may have three on their entire roster, and you're talking about one of those being a special teams. You're talking yeah. about one of those, and again, where where you're like, okay, great, AJ Terrell, corner, great. That's a position you need to have a top five player at. Outside of that, I mean, Kyle Pitts, top five. I I, I would say that's. I, I'm glad you feel that way, but I I I think that's a push considering he had one touchdown. No, 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 okay, no, no. I no, mean. No, no. Make no, make no mistake about it, Kevin. You said no. I think he's more like top, you know, top ten or top. Five. No, no, no. That that's not that's I, that's not a criticism of his because what Kyle Pitts is realizing real quick is, dude, you got to, you got to have impactful numbers. We talking about double digit touchdowns or close to it, because if not, if that scoreboard ain't changing, it doesn't matter. People go, hey man, what well, that's do you what I'm saying. Had- I mean, I guess that's my point with Kyle Pitts, Ben, is like, can he be top five when he doesn't affect the scoreboard? All those other guys you mentioned ahead of him are all you know, you know, affecting you know, the scoreboard. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy about George Kittle? 
That's what they say about George Kittle. They'll say, look, as productive as he is, he doesn't score a lot. He scores more than one. Day, oh, oh, he scored more than one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at the end, I think the, the fullback, the fullback for the Ravens, who was who was a former D lineman, I think got more receiver touchdowns than Kyle Pitts. I mean, you, you don't got to like it, but but Kevin, once again, when the, when the, when the, when the Falcons play the Saints, right? Count them, Cameron Jordan. Uh oh, you know Lattimore, uh, Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas. You know, Alvin Kamara, and the list goes on and on. You start saying, dude, former Pro Bowler, former Pro Bowler, current Pro Bowler, all pro. Who the Falcons got? A.J. Terrell. Well, they well okay, they got Alave, they got Jarvis Landry, they got Alvin Kamara, and they got Michael Thomas. I mean, I'm sorry, A.J. Terrell can only cover one of them. You know, Cameron Hayward can cover the other one. Can T.J. Tabor cover Jarvis Landry? All right, who going who gonna to get Alvin Kamara? It's I'm telling you, it's going to have to be some development going on in Flowery Branch this year because the talent, unless I'm just not seeing it, because Kevin, like I said, it ain't but 32 teams. You can We ain't in the top th- now. Now, offensive lineman Jake Matthews, I think he's top 10. I think I think he's solid, right? Problem is he's one of five. But, 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 but again, you got to start somewhere with, with your talent. I, I was just saying, look, you have maybe one elite talent on defense one elite talent on offense, and I would even say until he scores more, I, yeah. you could push Kyle Pitts out of that top well, five. Where, I, where, where does the group? Where does the group? Like, think about it. that's why you start saying <clears throat> the Falcons. Kevin, we went. We don't want to go through those. For those of you who weren't on the show that day, we went through those <laughs> sack numbers. And whoo, boy, I'm trying to tell you, no, it's bad. You start saying one and a half, half. I mean, the, the Falcons together don't have as many sacks as like a Bosa, not Bosa brothers. One Bosa got more sacks than the whole. And that's when you start saying bop, bottom of the league and rushing the pass, bottom of the league and stopping the run. Well, if you took Tate, uh, 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 London, Pitts, Edwards, and Patterson, where would they rank? They're going to be in the bottom five of receiving cores because they don't have a lot of experience. So once again, you're asking guys who haven't been headliners to be headliners. You're asking guys who haven't had to, you know, uh, take, take the, uh, you know, Take the uh, you know, the workload. Now they got to be those workloads, and they got to prove they can do a game in a game out. But with the quarterback being Marcus Mariota, Lord, listen to me. It's gonna be a long, it's it's gonna be a long year, Kevin. Like I said, no longer the days you got. There go, there go, there go Matty Ice, there go Michael Bernard Turner, there go, there go uh Tony Gonzalez, there go Julio Jones, you know, there go Roddy White. That sounds like an offense that's gonna be hard to stop. You hear all those Harry Douglas now. I mean, it Harry wasn't Douglas, Harry Douglas works for the Falcons. Julio Jones, I don't even know if he still want to. <laughs> it's I, I, Harry Douglas and no, Michael Bernard Turner. But Ben, I mean, but, but Ben, it's uh, it, again. It, you just illustrated something that to me it shows where the Falcons are. You need guys obviously to step up, but you just listed off a receiving core that might have been the best in the league uh, yes. at the time they were there, and now you don't have a top thirty receiver. Like, you may have had the best receiving core in the league. Now you don't even have a guy sniffing the top 30 uh, in the entire NFL. I mean, to me, I, who's, who's stepping up? Who is the guy that's going to surprise you that takes a step forward and says, okay, maybe they got a little something to work with. New, I mean, we talked about this with Jacksonville. Change of scenery, guys. Guys that are going to get a chance to be in new roles. Who's doing that for, for Atlanta and you think is going to step up? Because if you're going to sell us on, even if it's rebuild, you don't want to be the last you don't want yeah. to be, you know, hey, we were bottom five and running the football. We were like, who, who is, who is stepping up 
that you see new opportunity is going to go out there and produce. That that may be surprised that we are looking at right now. I, going, I mean, eh. I, mean I, w- I would be surprised if it's not Brian Edwards uh, coming over from the Raiders. I think he's a guy that, you know, he was a piece uh, in the Raiders offense, kind of similar to a Christian Kirk going over from Arizona, <coughs> excuse me, to Jacksonville. They're asking him to show Drake London how to play the position. They're asking him to show Drake London how to get in and out of, in and out of breaks, making sure, hey, man, you got to be able to get, you're going to be the first read, sometimes second read. So I think Brian Edwards and and for the Falcons money, they're gonna need Drake London to show some, you're gonna have to show some life. Because Kevin, think about this. When they show your highlights coming into the coming out of college in the draft, they kept showing 50-50 balls. I'm like, he wasn't even moving that fast. Then who are these DBs? <laughs> he was going, he he don't got I'm just, nothing against them, but you still had James, you know, James Williams, you still had Chris Alive and company, right? Garrett Wilson. He went first. Out of all the top 10, by the way. So, yeah. listen, I do not knock Terry Fontenot. That's why I do radio. That's why he's a GM. I ain't, I'm not knocking the scouting department. But Brian Edwards and, and Drake London going to have to show up because if not, Kevin, it's going to be a long year because if Kyle Pitts knows anything, they're not going to let him beat them. We've got more to come here on this Friday. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Love to hear from you as well. 912-342-7184. Who's stepping up for those Atlanta Falcons? When you look at that roster. 912-342-7184. Love to hear from you. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Again, two weeks from today, the Atlanta Falcons back at it. Uh, ben, we talked a lot about where the individual talent is, but collectively, where are the questions uh, biggest with this team? Obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs unless something uh, some outrageous coaching happens by Arthur Smith. But where do you feel the biggest questions are if you're Arthur Smith evaluating it right now as a team? It's got to be, you know, what what do you have, you know, at the D-line position? Because I, because I think what what has happened is when you're talking about this Falcons team is, you know, that, that, that has been a talking point for what? For as long as the Falcons have been in existence, you're trying to figure out how can we get, you know, uh, 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 at least just a uh, a stable pass rush. Now, Kevin, we talk. Okay, this 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 is who the, this is who the Falcons got. They got Taquan Graham, slight slight at defensive end, right? Eddie Goldman that came over from the Giants. I mean, came over from uh, Chicago to go alongside Grady Jarrett, Lorenzo Carter, Deion Jones, Rashad Evans, Arnold Ebikiti, AJ Terrell. All right, this is the thing, right, Kevin? When I go to Troy Anderson, second round pick. He's not even second on the depth chart. He's third. You got Deion Jones one, right? You got Deion Jones one. You got you know you got Makai Walker two. And then you got Troy Anderson. This is the thing that's going. This is the thing that scares you. Marlon Davidson, right? Marlon Davidson should be starting. Marlon Davidson is number two. You're gonna have to get because the thing about the offensive line now the offensive line. I mean, the thing about that, the thing about Justin Schaefer, we'll see what you're going to get, you know, get him late uh, coming out of Georgia. But, Kevin, you know, just like I know, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. You got a bunch of unproven guys at the receiver position. Brian Edwards is coming over from the Raiders. All the Taters coming over from the, from the you know, uh, from the Bengals. Cordell Patterson got re-signed. You got Kyle Pitts going into his second year. Drake London is a rookie. And, Kevin, I went to the depth chart, and I saw some again that disturbed me. When I'm looking at the running backs, they got Cordell Patterson starting to run it. That's, that's going to bother me. 
That's going to really, really bother me if he starts out at running back. Or maybe that just be to get him on the field because he is good at breaking tackles. I think I think you're going to have to get production as a group. Like the O-line is obviously their production is based on five guys working cohesively together. That's kind of how you're going to have to look at the defensive line position led by Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo Carter going into year five, signed a one-year deal, coming over from the Giants. Can he have a banner year? I think having a guy like Eddie Goldman next to Grady Jerry helps. But – if they could look, when I say a when I say just a just a stable pass rush, that means you can get off the field on third down. That means you're forcing the quarterback to get into his to get off to get off you no know, to get out of the pocket, forcing him out of his comfort zone, forcing him to make. I'm not saying you got to be a pro bowler. I'm saying that quarterback can't sit back there and pick you apart like a seven on seven. Well, but when you look at guys, because uh, you talked about this number, of guys, when you say. Uh, Guys are fighting for their NFL life. When you see a guy like Lorenzo Carter, how do you gauge what to expect from him? Different different team, different system, change of scenery. Should you expect level of play? I mean, when you see guys like that who have been kind of so-so throughout their, their career to this point, can you expect an uptick just by change of scenery? I mean, how do you when you see guys like that say, okay, it's a different spot, or is it still, look, until, until they kick it off for real, we don't know what's going to happen. Kevin, for his sake and, and the Falcons' sake, they need him to go out there and play. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like his head is on fire. He, they, I mean, I mean, seriously. Because Lorenzo Carter, this is what happens when I want to get the people. I was, I was a guy that signed a two-year deal uh, after my fourth year when I went to Tampa Bay. That means you still got potential. That means that you still got an opportunity to go out there and earn some big money. But as of right now, you your potential hasn't your potential and your talent talent level haven't met up yet. They haven't, they, you know, and like one has been over here, the other one's been over there. I think with a guy like Lorenzo Carter, he's gonna have to be the guy, right? I mean, it's not gonna be him by himself, but you're gonna need him to go out there in this in this defense and be a and be living in the backfield. Lorenzo, you're not here to make tackles on the run. You're not here to lead us in tackles. You're here to lead us in sacks. Quarterback hurries, quarterback pressures, tackles for loss. Because Lorenzo Carter is a guy that where Kevin, like I said, that's the thing about the Falcons is the Falcons might have the worst tradition at defensive line in the NFL ever. And that's <laughs> and that's ever. I'm just saying because I, I can't I can't come up with a good argument otherwise, but I mean really well, can't. Well, Kevin, this is the thing, right? Jesse Tucker, one of the best players ever come through the Falcons, right? I ain't even know, you know, we just figured out a month ago that Grady Jared is his kid. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's it's all so it's, it's so it's almost like if we've been saying the same thing for decades when it when it comes to this team, you need a pass rusher. You need a pass rusher, right? John Abraham's got a son. Is he in college? Do we got to wait for John Abraham Jr. Jr. to come through? Because Kevin, like I said, if you can get if you can get a stable pass rush, that can boost. That can boost like you know uh, other guys. That can make it, uh, other guys game because Grady Jarrett is a solid, a solid D tackle. You add Eddie Goldman, a run stopping D tackle, bigger guy, Marlon Davidson. Come on, man! Like you're going into year three, you got to show something to get out. You can't make the club in the tub. You got to get off injury. You start talking. You start talking about Ebigiti, the guy you got second round of Penn State. Troy Anderson's third on the depth chart. Rashad Evans, you got a shot to be good. But everybody got a shot to be good. It's the National Football League. Everybody got a shot to have a breakout season. It's the National Football League. The problem is, what have you done for me lately? And as of lately, 
it hasn't been much to go off of. Lorenzo Carter, he chose to come back to the ATL because he's a, you know, he went to the University of Georgia. I mean, he's close to where he, uh, you know, grew up as a young man, you know, a young pup in college. But you're going to have to go out there and prove it because if he doesn't prove it now, he, he got a chance to stay in the league, but you're going to be a journeyman. going to be another one-year deal, a two-year deal. But I do think, Kevin, if that D-line can just, you know, shock everybody, including themselves, by going out there and giving you a stable pass rush, and the reason why I say the D-line, because this offense is going to struggle until they find their way. Marcus Mariota, Alton right. Tate, Brian Edwards, you know, Drake London, Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts. Until they find their niche, I'm going to need the D-line to get – I mean, I'm going to need that defense led by the D-line to give them more opportunities. And as of right now, I'm optimistic, Kevin, because I'm always optimistic when it comes <laughs> to the Falcons, and that is my problem right there. But at the end of the day, until – Proven otherwise, I think adding Goldman, adding Carter, Rashad Evans, Epigiti. I mean, you got a shot for you got some guys. Cause I say Lorenzo Carter, you, and you and once again, Lorenzo Carter's job is to show Epigiti how to get after the pass after the pass, uh, you know, uh consistently, just like Brian Edwards' job is to show Drake London how to get open consistently. That a part of your job as a men, as a older guy is to mentor younger guys. And if you ain't confident in your game, guess what? He will play and you won't. But if you are confident in your game, he will be out there playing with you. So for me, for my money, I think for Arthur Blank's money, for for the for Falcons, for you know, for Rise Up Nation, yep. you're gonna need that D line to play well. Because if they do, you got a shot to stay in game. Doesn't mean you're gonna win them, but you got a better shot to look look very, very presentable in some of these games. And who knows, Kevin? If the D line can show out, you got a shot to win some games, you probably shouldn't have won. Very true. Well, I, I, again, I don't know how many games this uh, this Falcons team's gonna win. But I feel like you're relying on a couple guys who are, as you said, in those second chance opportunities, Ben, that sometimes you see guys, oh, man, that guy wasn't very good over it. So then he comes to a new team, new scheme, for whatever reason, it fits. And you see a guy take a step forward. I wonder if, again, I, maybe we're spoiled by Alex Anthopoulos, who's made a living finding those guys who are like, yeah, I mean, he's all right. And then he comes to your team and plays, you know, kind of next level. If Terry Fontenot could pull a few of those rabbits out of the hat, I think this Falcons team would be uh, kind of interesting to watch as they progress forward because you feel like they have some talent. But again, we're on like the fool me once, shame on me, me fool me, or fool me, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. We're up to like fool me like six times with the Falcons. Oh, yeah, we, oh, and, yeah, we, and, we, and we can fool them again. <laughs> it's like, like when Dante, when Dante Fowler came over another Florida game, I was yeah. like, okay, problem is he came over uh, from the Rams and he was playing right beside Aaron Donald. What has been his best year in the NFL? That year. Yeah. Coincidence? Hey, when I played I next to the best to, best to do it, I look real good. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, at the end of the day, if I played with LeBron long enough, I got a ring. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> everybody that played with him got a ring. I just I just think that for this Falcons team, it's going to be by committee, hopefully led by Lorenzo Carter because he's the oldest. Marlon Davidson, if you can get some, if you can get some, uh, you know, some quality snaps out of him, you know what you're going to get in Grady Jarrett. Is Deion Jones going to be there? But I think if you can get Epigiti, you can get Lorenzo Carter, you can get Martin Davidson to go along with Gold, Goldwyn. And uh, Grady, I mean, Grady, you got a shot, Kevin, because unfortunately, I'm going to always say a team got a shot until they don't. But when them live bullets, you know, when it, when it's live out there and in color, ain't going to be, perception is out the window. And if it's third down, Kevin, third and one, third and two, and they can't get off the field, it's going to be a long year because it don't matter what the offense do if yeah. the defense can't stop nobody. Everybody's going to be saying more of the same. Can't get off the field on third down. Offense can't stay on the field on uh, third down. Ben Falcons' problem certainly uh, could be their problem again here in 2022.
just given what the roster kind of looks like at times. Hopefully it's not the case. we got more to come here. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here, 3 and Out, on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, leading you up to the Braves and the Nationals. Game two of that four-game series, and then it is into the All-Star break, the All-Star Home Run Derby, All-Star game coming up on Monday and Tuesday of next week. Ronald Acuna going to be in the Home Run Derby. He drew Pete Alonzo. We talked about that earlier in the show. That's tough. Tough assignment when you do, uh, you get the polar bear. Uh, ben, you get the, a, a guy that's just, that's what he does, right? He's, he's made to hit home runs. Like certain guys are built to like win the dunk contest. Certain guys are made to hit bombs. And uh, Ronald Acuna's got Pete Alonzo in the first round coming up on Monday. That's a tough matchup. Peter Alonso, Peter Alonso really had a 30 for 30 because of how he came out of Florida and just started hitting bombs when he was with the Mets or whatever. But, Kevin, you know what? Listen, we just can't – Braves just can't get it with these pesky Mets this year, right? I mean, God, no, we just dealt with y'all in the series. Y'all tend to have games up. So, you know, it should be – and they they did ask Ronald Cunha, what's your strategy? No strategy. Just hit home runs. Like, no strategy at all. Just, just hit home run. Keep it simple. But, that's gonna be, but, Kevin, is it the pressure of the situation or is it just the stamina? I think it's just – I think that's really what it is. Like, it's the home run derby. There should be no pressure, man. Like, um, the only pressure should be on Pete Alonzo to defend. Like, if I'm Ronald Acuna, man, it's just – I'm going to give it everything I got. Do I run out of juice before I can hit – I mean, look, Pete Alonzo is liable to go 18 or 15 in the first round. Like, can you – he outweighs you by 40, 50 pounds. Can you hang in there stamina-wise and blast that many to win? It's going to be interesting. We'll come back. Final hour of the show, right around the corner. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It's great to be here on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Final hour of the show as we count you down towards Braves and Washington Nationals. Game two of the four-game series coming up in just a little bit. Ian Anderson and Patrick Corbin, your pitching pitching matchup uh, coming up a little bit later uh, tonight. Braves trying to draw within two games of the Mets. Good to have you along. You can catch us all across the radio network here on this Friday or on ESPNCoastal.com. Listen live there, the ESPN app, or go to our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages, and you can watch the show uh, along with us each and every day. Ben, I saw something that kind of uh, got me thinking about it uh, the other day when people were talking about Arch Manning. And I've heard this uh, all summer. Arch Manning commits to Texas. People show the highlights of him running away from a – Defensive lineman saying, what in the, uh, you know, low A ball uh, highlight is this where he's out there running in slow motion, making kids look silly. And I would say, go to high schools on Friday night. You'll see that almost every Friday night where there's elite talent. Anyways, uh, but people saying, hey, if Arch Manning was Arch Smith, he would just be a three star. And he wouldn't be the number one player. It's because he's a man and he's getting all the love. Well, I thought about that. And the MLB draft is coming up this weekend. MLB draft first round's coming up on Sunday night. There's a young man that's projected as a top five pick out of high school. Young man's name is Drew Jones. Does that sound familiar? It should because his dad is Andrew Jones, who played what I consider Hall of Fame level center field for the Atlanta Braves. Ben... If Drew Jones was Drew Smith, would he be the top five pick in the draft? Of course he would if he's got the talent. That's the, that's that stuff drives me nuts 
when we're talking about, oh, well, he's only number one because his last name's Manning. No, I, he, he's he's good. Like, he's good. Like, I, I hate that argument. It's like, oh, well, it's only because your dad. Well, Drew Jones is projected by, I went and looked at a bunch of mock drafts. At least half of them have him going number one. If he wasn't Andrew Jones' son, is he going number one? Is he is, is he rated that higher? If you look at, I'm, I, and I'm saying this objectively because I think the gap between the top baseball player and the guy at number thirty is pretty slim. If we're, you know, splitting hairs, but I mean, I hear those arguments and I'm like, yeah, genetics and last name plays a part in it. It always does. There's yep. a reason Ken Griffey Jr. was good at baseball. I mean, it's like yep. it, it, I, I hate those arguments. Yeah, I hate it too, Kevin, because the whole thing about it is, like I, like I told you before the show, I would be more surprised if Drew, Andrew Jones' son, wasn't good at baseball. That's when I would be like, what? Like, he's not good? Because And the thing is, too, right, Um, what do you think Drew Jones got outside of genetics? You don't think he got really, really good coaching? You don't <laughs> think he did a little? Like, 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 I think, sir, I think sometimes, right, like with the whole, you know, Arch Manning thing. Arch Manning is coming from – they, they are the royal family. They you are. Know, yeah. Archie, Eli, Peyton, back to only only do only brothers that ever go number one overall. And Arch kind of knows once he decided I'm gonna play football, he better be good at it. Like, who you think is under more pressure? Him choosing Texas or being a Manning? That's enough pressure by itself. And he just what what position are you gonna play? Quarterback. Like he's not gonna play anything else. Now I can get now if he's the number one recruit in the country and he plays receiver, he plays tight end, he plays running back. Okay, I get that part. But Kevin, once again, their one player, Andrew Jones' son, is gonna be a top pick. Okay, well his daddy should be in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, I was, Miguel Cabrera. I was me. Listen, his kid and my kid both play soccer. No, his kid don't play baseball. His kid <laughs> plays soccer. Right? Yeah. Now, if Miguel Cabrera Jr. Jr. is the number one player in soccer, I I, I get that part, right? But he's the, but it's the thing. People go, how you know which one is his kid? He's the biggest kid. I look at him. He plays gold, big old kid, right? But I think what happens is too, don't negate the fact that they're really, really good players. They just happen to have famous uncles, dads. Like, come on now. Michael Jordan's sons both play basketball. Neither one of them got drafted. They went to UCF. No one said a word, right? It's when they do pan out, Kevin, because it's the thing. No bigger pressure than your dad or mom being a legend, Hall of Famer, and you following their footsteps. Like, that stuff is not easy to do. Sure. Most of the time, the son, Clay Matthews Jr. wasn't as good as his daddy was. He was a really, really good player coming out of USC and obviously winning the Super Bowl with Green Bay. And his, and his other son played at Oregon, got drafted by Philly. Their dad is a Hall of Fame semifinalist, played for the Browns. Like, you know, Jake Matthews, the son of Bruce Matthews, the cousin, you know, of Clay Matthews, the nephew of Clay Matthews. This stuff is not easy. But when they pan out, it's only because he a Jones. And like, if that is the case, I just heard so that. What? I just hear that argument with 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 Arch Manning, and I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying it's like the people who who make these rankings, right, and evaluate talent. I don't think they just go, oh, he's a Manning. He's number one. Like, because yeah. what? Because because legitimately, if you think he was a, a three star, what if he wasn't? Like, what if he wasn't a five star? Are all these scouting? I mean, because again, I am not a recruiting expert, Ben. I, I I think that goes without saying. But if you take me to a high school field and say there's a five star out here, 
I will find him in about two minutes. Right? I, I, yeah. that, there, there he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it doesn't take long. I don't, I, I, I think it's just people looking at it and say, you don't like Peyton. You don't like Eli. They kind of like the, you know, they all kind of play that, whoa, 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 that nerdy role again. No, 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 but I get it. No, no, but, no. But, but here it is, Kevin. No, no, no. What's a terrifying sign of a five star quarterback? Who recruited him? Did Alabama want him? Yep. Did Georgia want him? Yep. He went to Texas. So y'all need to stop this. Like, Georgia, Georgia ain't, listen, nothing against the four stars and the three stars. No, they want the five star. Think about this. This man was willing to go to, Alabama wanted a Manning. Like, Kevin, and you know people do this, right? Oh, my God. All the Mannings went to Ole Miss, Tennessee. Don't you think another team in the SEC? I'm trying to get me one of them. Look at what Peyton, and I mean, look at what Eli and Archie did, you know, when they was at Ole Miss. Look at what Peyton did. Peyton Manning has a room in Tennessee. I was there. I, I, I got to go speak there back in the day. <laughs> and I tried to open up the door and it's locked. They don't even let you walk in there. But what you think I'm going to do? What is this? Then, like, it's just for him? Hey, just for him. It's a Peyton Manning room. Secret right? secret vault for Peyton Manning. You, 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 I mean, it's like you can see in there, but you can't go in there. I'm like, well, it's not like it's Peyton here. Well, that like, makes it worse. Peyton? So you but, can but, look in there. But, like- Kevin, but Kevin, once again, though, if look, look. If you're if you're if you got a famous oh Tiger Woods son plays golf right, what else was he gonna do right? And like, so, so like I'm saying like but if he goes to if he goes to Stanford or whatever and is ranked high is anybody gonna say oh he's only ranked number two in the in the country because he's Tiger Woods son? Well no well maybe but he's also really or, good. Or, I'm just saying. Yes, like, yes, you know, or Kevin, think about this. Think about the hundreds of thousands of players who we don't know who their daddies are and they're good. I know his daddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen his daddy. Like, if he isn't good, I would be like, what? look, and I don't know, Michael Jackson kids, if they can't sing or dance, I'm like, wait a minute now. Did it skip y'all? Because y'all daddy was the GOAT. The, enti- the entire family. So- the entire family can't uh, get and, out and, 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 that, and, that's, and that's all I'm saying is, it's almost like, you know, if Beyonce kids and Jay-Z kids grow up and be, I don't know, famous mu- movie, music artists, <laughs> yeah, they, they stuck with the family business, right? Goldie Hawn, daughter, is an actress. Like, what what are we talking about? All of a sudden, Arch Manning, he trash. No, he is not. <laughs> well, no, it's even that. Like, it's just, like, if, well, if his last name was, you know, Johnson, he wouldn't be a, if he was Arch Johnson, he would be a three-star. I, I mean, listen, I don't if know. If Arch Manning changed his name to Manning Arch, he still would have been a five-star recruit because the dude getting the best coaching in the country and Alabama, the best, the best. Colleges in the Look, country wanted him. Even if I would, even if I would, uh, you know, see the fact that being a Manning helps him some, it wouldn't take him from a three star to a five star. It would take him maybe from maybe he should be the number three quarterback to the number one. Okay, maybe. Kevin, Kevin, the, the fact Kevin, that Andrew if, if Jones is Drew Jones's dad probably helps him out a little bit in evaluations. Like well, we saw what his dad does, and he looks a lot like that. Okay, a little bit. It's not going to take you from third round pick to the number one pick in the MLB draft. Like it's just, it's just not going to do that. If Kevin, if Kevin, both of your sons play baseball, if they listen, if they and unfortunately if they their last listen, name is not Jones, Chipper, or Andrew. Hold, hold on, so, but, <laughs> but this thing, right? But this thing. Just say, just say, just say they want to, just say they moved to, just say they moved to center field, right? And they went to a camp. They would look if at Michael their dad Harris and go, says, "Good." If, if Michael Harris says, "Oh, they legit," guess what? They're legit. 
Like people, people, people get on my nerves with this. Oh, if his last name was a Manning, you know how many quarterbacks that came through high school that we didn't know who their daddies was. <laughs> like, like, like we need, like we need to stop, like stop trying to listen, listen, stop trying to illegitimize people just because you don't. Just say you don't like the Mannings. Fine, but but guess what? Peyton's in the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest we ever seen. Eli's gonna get in because he won two Super Bowls. He won the same number as his brother, and they and it's 18 miles per hour on campus at Ole Miss. <laughs> now Texas got a chance. If he listen, if if what if he wins the Heisman at Texas, he's getting a statue. Because last time I checked, Texas had no. zero, zero Heisman. No, no, Ben, he will he position. Ben, he will only get the Heisman because his last name is Manning. That's oh it. yeah, 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 and, and they go. We they only give it to him because it's because his uncle lost. Y'all need to y'all need to get out of here with that nonsense. That would Jesus. be. I I, I kind of hope that like gets close to happening. So I do hear this like, oh, you know, he's only gonna win because uh, he threw for fifty touchdowns and four thousand yards. But it's only because he had fifty touchdowns <laughs> and he had ten picks. But guess what? A lot, a lot, a lot of the competition was awful. Were they? <laughs> I get. I just. I, I. I saw that. I've seen it from a bunch of folks who are like, like, come on, man. It's like sons of famous athletes, or sons. Even when you get to a family where the whole, you know, like the the Matthews you mentioned in the like, yeah, they have the genetic, you know, kind of code uh, and advantage in that. And as you said, they also have access to some of the best coaching you're gonna see. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Hey, I'm Drew Jones. Dad, you're done playing baseball. You want to throw on the side? Yes, and I'll give you a few tips. It doesn't mean he's Drew Jones going to be a Hall of Famer, but again, genetically you're there, and you have a guy that's given you the best of the best. Uh, and so I, that, I, that I, is, that, hold on, hold on. What, what does CC Sabathia kid play at? Don't he play uh, right? I think he com- I, he committed to go to Georgia Tech, so I think he's got Marquise Grissom has a kid that pitches at Georgia. I was like, so you have guys that play big league ball. Their sons are good. Like it, it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, right. I'm just saying, I mean, why would y'all want CC Sabathia kid? I don't know. Why you think? Like, are we are we serious right now? We need to start, like this is the part, Kevin, that he really only got recruited because his dad's CC Sabathia. Yeah, at the end, listen, listen, at the end of the day, man, they got this dude named Andrew Jones kid. His kid name is Drew. He probably he probably stinks. And the Andrew Jones? Yeah. Well, you know who that is? Uh and you don't? Well, then you shouldn't be in baseball. You shouldn't be in a position to make this. Yeah. My favorite highlight of his was when they were playing uh, a, a game this year, and the other team's uh, fans were like overrated. And like the next pitch, it went like four twenty over, over the fans. Like, I'm, I'm, listen, listen, I'll, listen, I'll, listen, listen. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, look, they say, "Hey, man, that LeBron James kid is pretty good." You think? Like, <laughs> like you think? Like what? A, he's not as tall as his daddy, and yeah, y'all, look, I'm telling y'all, people, at the end of the day. If Carl Lewis' grandson is running track, I'm putting my money on Carl Lewis' grandson because I think he's going to be pretty fast. Yeah, sight unseen, probably all right. <laughs> but no, no. If, they, if you said if they saw my kids out there, Ben, they'd probably go, look at his dad. Oh, good Lord, they're not going to be able to run. Oh, no. And, and, they're and, not going to be and, able to and, move. But then, but then he go yard on them. Then he go yard on them and then <laughs> hit them with that trot. You know, stir it up. That, no, that's – no, the, the trot from one of my kids, that's called sprinting. <laughs> That, listen, listen, listen. At the end of the day, we are son, not known you, for can our. You, can you get me? Can you get me three outs? We are not known for our for our speed. That is, my, listen, 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 that is, listen, 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 listen. The reliever. Listen, if 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 one of if one of if one of the uh, the Thomas sons is a reliever for the Braves, Kevin say my life is complete. I can't deal with this. I cannot deal coming out of that. Kevin, what would that feel like? Wow. 
Oh, that look, I have nothing to do with that. Like that would all be I would feel look, no, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. Like I've said that a bunch. It's like if it if it works that they were blessed to be that somewhere down the road, great. If not, you know, that's fine too. I'm 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 trying to be the guy that's like, have fun while you're doing it, son. And, of course, and be, man, like, I try my best we, to do never, that. But if course, he did, it would be to, to me my, my son, my son was at Peyton Manning's camp in Louisiana. I played against Peyton Manning for like four years. Never took it. My son took a picture with him and took a picture with Anthony Richardson. I mean, my son met Anthony Richardson before I did. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to be one of those parents either. Look, regardless of what I did, I don't care about it like that. I want my children yeah. to have fun. The, listen, to you parents saying, <laughs> listen, if your kid is 10 years old and say he got a zip on him like Peyton Manning, I'm going to slap the hell out of him. <laughs> no, he do not. <laughs> I don't want to hear that nonsense, man. Because 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 he's only good because he throw it like Peyton Manning. No. Archie is only good because his last yeah. name. Manning. No, I mean you, uh, that's a whole other discussion. I mean you see kids like at ten years old. It's like what you are. You know this, man. What you are at ten is not what you are at seventeen. No. Uh, when no. when puberty and hormones kick in, it's I mean, a, it's a for different. Those, and, for those, and for those who don't understand, when I was in when I was in when I was a freshman in high school, I was like five nine and a half, five ten. When I got back to school my sophomore year, I was six three. So it was meant to be at a certain point. I mean, and my mama told me one or two things: either go, either go play sports or get a job. I would be, I would be trying out tomorrow. <laughs> Practice starts at twelve. We'll be there. We got more. We got more to come. SEC media days next week. We're also leading you up to the Braves and the Nationals game two of four. Before we get to the All Star break, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Braves and Nationals coming up in just a little bit. But uh, Ben, SEC Media Days next week. Obviously, say, uh, Saban and you know, Kirby Smart going to be top of mind. But who's doing more with less? I mean, those guys are you're getting the top recruiting classes. Jimbo Fisher getting the top recruiting class. And when I say doing more with less, I mean, obviously, there ain't many in the SEC doing with less. I mean, they're, they're all doing more with more than most people get. But in the SEC, who's a guy you think is doing uh, a good bit of overachieving, given kind of traditionally what they have to work with, how they're recruiting against their peers, et cetera? Eli Drinkwich. I think I think when you think about uh, when you think about a team like Missouri, Kevin, I mean, number one, they're nowhere near the SEC. Nowhere near it. <laughs> Number two, you really don't know what type of recruiting they're doing because I think they're recruiting with they got a recruiting like Big Ten country, Big Twelve country kind of. When you look at kind of like I mean, they used to be in the Big Twelve, so they used and then they're kind of like a Big Ten country as far as like location. Another guy could be Coach Beamer in South Carolina because the thing about it is, is you got to you got to recruit against Clemson, and as of late, Clemson has been you know the best team in the state. So you can, even though you are SEC team, you're gonna be losing out. You ain't. Ain't no Jadavion Clowns, ain't no DJ Swanges, you know, uh, you know, uh, ain't no uh Connor Shaw's really coming through there as of late. Alshon Jeffries and Stefan Gilmore's. I mean, look at the type of players you used to get. All those guys was on the same team, by the way. But I do think uh I do think a guy like Sam Pittman is always gonna be the one Kevin that I think doesn't get enough credit. He's he's gonna get the best players out of Arkansas. No matter what he does, his tenure started with a former Florida Gator in Felipe Franks. 
He's gonna he he's gonna he, he's put together some really really good teams. But the thing is, Kevin, you always gonna be at a disadvantage because even a even a good recruiting class in Arkansas still don't measure up to what LSU is doing, Auburn is doing, obviously Alabama is doing. You know, uh, so I Texas A&M. So for me, Eli Drinkwitz is gonna be number one. I think Coach Beamer as well, and obviously Sam Pittman just from his geographic location as well. Because now, you know, it's gonna hurt him. Texas and Oklahoma, with them coming to the SEC and him being closer to those guys, that's going to hurt him even more. But right now, I'm going to go with Eli Drinkers. I mean, I don't even know what yeah. they recruiting class we're looking at right <laughs> Be looking at or, or shaping up yeah. as uh, in Missouri. And he's he'll usually have Missouri fairly competitive. I, I think Shane Beamer's an interesting one, Ben. One-year sample size, but I think he did a lot better than most people thought he was going to. And this year, I think they might be that kind of sleeper pick for some people. Not that you know, they're going to be picked to win the East. But I think a lot of people will look at it and go, eh, you know, you got Spencer Rattler in there, but this is kind of a second chance for him after he lost the job at Oklahoma. You're in your second year of kind of the rebuild. You got South Carolina to a bowl game last year. You're still kind of in that fringe mix uh, for a bowl game. Can you get to seven, eight wins with this schedule uh, at South Carolina? If you can, that's a heck of a job. coach. I feel like Shane Beamer's a good candidate. Sam Pittman certainly – I think, Ben, when you're talking about coaching him up, I mean, he takes over all SEC schedule and people are going, I mean, this is inheriting a program that, what, hadn't won an SEC game in two years? And you're going, go get him, Sam. This could be ouch. And they won, I think, what, three games uh, in, in that all SEC year. And then he took a step forward again in year two. So I, I, yep, I, I, yeah. I feel like Sam Pittman is a guy that, he is the guy that uh, if you want to say, He's busting his hump to get everything he can out of that Arkansas program. He probably been for me is uh, I think Beamer's a close to Sam Pittman to me is a guy that's going. Look, you talk about recruiting rankings. He's probably not going to be up there with A and M, Georgia, and, and those guys. He won't be down at the bottom either. But he is squeezing every last ounce that he can get out of that Arkansas team right now and uh, doing a heck of a job. I think he he's is, doing he the is. most of the. Uh, he is, he is, because that's that's what I'm saying, Kevin. Is you know because expectation was so low when Sam Pittman first got the job. Obviously, he didn't know it was going to be a COVID-stricken year, and he's going to have to play all SEC schedule with his first game out the gate being against who? His former boss, his former team, and the Georgia Bulldogs. Shout out to Dan Landing, who won't get them Georgia Bulldogs the first game of the year, so he won't get escape. He won't get a chance to escape it either. But yeah, Sam Pittman does an incredible job. Like you say, Kevin, they always go. They 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 judge you according to you, to the company that you're around. They judge him according to. XNM, LSU, Auburn, uh, Alabama. I don't think that's fair because he's do- because for what if he has quote the the bottom tier teams because even bottom tier I think he's done a better job than Coach Leach has done at Mississippi State right but it's always going to be because if Arkansas falls off a cliff that's what everybody expects them to do from the jump but because they haven't like they no they nowhere near no cliff Arkansas has been incredible so yeah Sam Pittman because of location because of he's in that he's in the hardest division and conference in the country and I don't think we give him enough credit for what he's been able to do since he's taken over because Kevin I know we be talking about uh, Jimbo Fisher and what happened this year uh you know depending on what he does as far as like at a hot seat we'll see what happens with uh with a guy like um with a guy like uh Sam Pittman who's been getting it done from the jump. Yeah, look, I, I think he's going to be an interesting guy to, to hear from next week at SEC Media Days, too, because you're in an absolute tough division. I mean, you got Jimbo sucking up all the oxygen that Nick Saban doesn't suck up, right? I mean, he's like, Nick Saban takes all the oxygen out of the room, Jimbo sucks up pretty much what's left, and then now Brian Kelly's over there going, let me let me just take what's left. And Oh, and Arkansas. <laughs> oh, by the way, Arkansas and uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, y'all are still out there 
uh, you know, to go to. So you kind of forget about him on some level, but he has done a, a, a tremendous job. I'm interested to hear what he has to say uh, coming up there uh, next week. Is certainly uh, the SEC is going to be front and center. We saw the Big 12. You know, Mike Gundy wasn't pulling any punches on Texas, Oklahoma, and leaving. He said, look, we're in a better spot now. we got four teams coming in. I think the Big 12 is attractive to people. There's a lot of people that think they might be the, th- the most attractive conference outside the Big 10 and the, the SEC right now. And saying, look, if Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, why are they in the meetings? Why, why, why are they in our planning meetings? They're not. They're not. They're out the door. They don't need to be here. And I think you're going to get different questions from for SEC folks. Like, hey, you excited about them coming in? Any chance they're going to come in sooner? And you know, at some point, uh, maybe not this year, but Jimbo and Sam Pittman are going to get these. So Texas and Oklahoma coming in. How does that affect uh, recruiting? Because now those schools who traditionally recruit pretty well can also say, play in the SEC. We're going to play at a high level. They put dudes in the NFL like no other. We're going to play NFL talent every week. How does that affect their recruiting? So, uh, again, I think you're going to see some of those uh, those questions along that line uh, there at SEC Media Days next week for those teams that are going to be affected specifically by Texas and Oklahoma down the road. Kevin, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see. I think sometimes, too, when we, you know, people don't understand how, how big of a dynamic shift uh, the two biggest brands uh, in the country, definitely the two biggest brands coming from the Big 12 is going to, is going to reshape things when they get over here because they're going to affect recruiting. Texas and Oklahoma can recruit. It's never, ever been about the talent on the field. It's always been about the end result, especially when you start talking, talking about the, you know, that team coming out of Austin. But, yes, Kevin, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered uh, at SEC Media Days. Greg Sankey, you know, you know Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, Billy Napier. It's going to be star-studded, but it's going to be about the quarterbacks. It's going to be about, you know, the two teams and the, the top two teams in the country in the East and the West and the SEC coming in wearing that bling. But it's going to be interesting to see. But, yes, for those of you who don't think it's going to be a dynamic shift when Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC, you are sadly mistaken. Right, looking forward to it next week. We'll, of course, have uh, full coverage for you. Our own Christian Gokel going to be there uh, on site at SEC Media Days. We'll get some uh, the very latest uh, there from Atlanta next week as uh, the college football world ascends. And it kind of feels that way uh, at SEC Media Ben, you and I, we've been to both. Uh, SEC and ACC media days. ACC media yes. days, the spread, no offense, spread might be a little better at the ACC, but there ain't nearly the amount of people there uh, oh, that, are at the, that are at you the SEC keep media. Fans back, back up. You get your credentials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, so SEC media days. It's just something different. You don't see that at other places uh, around college athletics uh, like you do there, and it's going to be fun uh, to follow that circus uh, coming up next week. We got more to come. On the flip side, getting you ready for the Braves and the Nationals. Of course, uh, over this weekend, we finish up the mythical first half. We're already past the halfway point, but we finish up the first half, quote-unquote, of the MLB season. Braves trying to finish on a high note, and then when we come back on Monday, uh, it will be all-star break, and we'll be talking about Acuna trying to muscle up there against, uh, against the polar bear and Pete Alonso. But we'll get to that. We'll get you ready for Braves and Washington Nationals when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. All-Star Week about to be upon us. Braves got a little business to take care of. Uh, before we uh, we get to that point, they've got three more against the Washington Nationals. Last night, Braves get it done five to four. Michael Harris, man. Ben, we talk about him every stinking day on this show. I'm not even mad about it either. But we talk about him every single day. And every day, the kid just continues to amaze. Again, I think he's hit more homers now than he has at any other minor league level of baseball. 
Uh, he hit a big uh, monster shot last night, made another tremendous defensive play where he hosed a guy at the plate to save a run. I mean, you're running out of things to say about what this guy's doing seemingly every single day at the ballpark. Kevin, he's, Kevin all he's doing is adding to his uh, – his, uh, Already, you know, young legendary career. When you think about what he does when he first came up, obviously it's these catches that nobody can make but him. Andrew getting Andrew Jones approval uh, when he's in when he's in uh, when he's at True is watching this young guy. Then it was okay. You know, uh, we we spoke. You know, we spoke. We speak to Goral Vidak. He tells us, "Look, watch this kid. Though. Watch him at the plate." And he's been showing what he can do at the plate. But last night, he showed you. I also got a cannon. I mean, when Darno say, look, I didn't think we had a shot of getting that guy. Like, there is no way. And then it was on a rope, Kevin. It's almost like Michael Harris is like, okay, he's going to try me, and I'm going to show him. Like, there aren't too many guys on the planet that can do what he did last night. Like, it was on a rope. Like, yeah. no bounce, no nothing. And I and I think, Kevin, too, look, this – look, the, uh, when, you, when you talk about the Braves, when you talk about their farm system, when you talk about – it's not necessarily having prospects. It's knowing when to call them up. I don't know if there is a right time, but, Kevin, you've been watching a lot of baseball. Ronald Acuna is about as good as you can be as a baseball player. Michael Harris is about as good as you can be as a freaking center fielder, and he's only getting better, and he's the youngest player in the bigs yeah. doing what he's doing. I'm glad he's on my squad, man, because I'm just saying <laughs> well, the young man is the truth. Well, at some point, Ben, as you know, they're going to quit doing that. Like, at some point – you get that rep, you go, man, he is hosing guys at the plate. At some point, they're going to quit running on you. Uh, we've seen that with Ronald Acuna. Balls get hit out there, and people say, ah, we're going to try. Nope, 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 we're going to hold up. Uh, you're going to quit testing the arm uh, because with the amount of ground, and it's amazing to watch like Acuna react to it as well. Uh, I've seen balls that Michael Harris gets in the gap where it's amazing play, and you see Acuna kind of in the picture. And you know how fast Acuna is, and Acuna's even a little – late getting to the baseball and you're going man he covers so much ground and has such a strong arm it's really unbelievable uh and the fact that you could have him i mean he's on a rookie deal obviously uh he's not going to go to arbitration for several years you got ronald acuna in what year two of a 10-year deal i mean these dudes are going to be in that outfield for a while and the fact that we get to sit back and watch this is absolutely incredible incredible i mean the, dy the dynamic nature of both of those guys. I mean, you go back to when you had Andrew Jones. I mean, you had some guys out there in the outfield, but, I mean, it was largely Andrew Jones and two guys that could catch a little bit. You have two guys that are really, really A-plus defensively with plus arms, and we get to watch this together for a while. And, I mean, it's yeah, amazing. And, yeah, and, again, you run out of things to say about uh, Michael Harris, but this guy looks like an all-star uh, in the making. And, again, you talk about what's it going to take for Austin Riley to get in the All-Star game. As you said, sometimes it's popularity contest, sometimes it's rep. You keep showing up on SportsCenter doing crazy stuff like that, and people are going to go, oh, that Michael Harris dude in Atlanta is really good. And he really is. And the fact we get to watch it every single night, it's it, he's becoming much must-watch television. I mean, I thought Ronald Acuna was stop what you're doing and watch him bat, and he is. You got to stop what you're doing and watch this kid do everything. Because you just never know. Uh, again, he made a catch this year where he slapped the ball into his glove. Yep. He's tracked balls down in the gap that you're going, there's not, not a chance he gets there. Going into left center or right center, away from, you know, the plate, 
you catch it, turn, and throw an absolute dart. I think they said they clocked it at like 90-something, 95 miles an hour from center field to the plate, hose a guy, save a run, you end up winning by run. Unbelievable uh, what, what this kid's doing. And the sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. Again, is he going to hit the 40 bombs that Acuna will? I, you know, I don't think so. But he is spraying the ball all over the yard and doing it every single night uh, defensively. If you can do that and do it for a long time, I mean, I'm glad he didn't come up saying, oh, just give me Andrew Jones's number. We're going to be watching. We're going to be watching Michael Harris and letting him make his own, his own history with his own number. But uh, Ben, look, you could say it was it was Snit. I think uh, you know when they had that team meeting, and Snit kind of said, "Look, fellas, what what are we doing? Arizona is whipping our behind. They're 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 not a good baseball team. We got to turn around, and do something." A lot of people point to that and say, "Well, then they went on that big winning streak." I, I think the team's attitude kind of changed when Michael Harris showed up. One, because he fixed a lot of problems for you. Center field became not a liability anymore. Dude can stick it a little bit. And he doesn't have to hit in a key spot in the order. He's batting last. Pretty much every night, he bats dead last. You know what we say? Hey, man, Ronald Acuna is batting right behind you. Just go out there and do your thing. If you get on base, we got a murderous stick right behind you in the lineup. Just go do your thing. And he's been producing. And you could make the case that once he got called up, the Braves have played like a different team because he fixed a lot of problems. You got a guy that can play great defense, and you got a bat at the bottom of the lineup that could do enough. Now, I know he's hitting over, over 300. So yeah, he's doing more than enough. But you got a bat that could do enough, and when he gets on base, he's stealing bags, and he's become a second leadoff guy batting in front of Ronald Acuna. And you can't pitch around him because Ronald Acuna is standing behind him. So uh, he has been such a, a, a magnificent pickup, Ben. I don't even know what to say uh, anymore about – this guy, because again, a lot of people thought he would be good. A lot of people thought, man, he needs another year in the minors. He needs some more time to develop. He's not a major league hitter yet. I mean, he is putting all that to bed and then some when it comes to what he's doing right now at the major league level. Kevin, you can't put everybody in the same category. You know, all sizes do not fit all. And to every rule, there is an exception. And I think that Michael Harris Jr. is the exception to the rule. As you mentioned, I mean, Vare was down in what, double A for a little bit and got called up. But he filled a need. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. I was always told you get called up when there is a need to be filled, and that's the position that you play. When Austin Riley first came up, they was like, okay, how are they working with the lineup? No, he is the everyday third baseman. He has proven that. You talk about a guy, Daniel Swanson, number one overall pick. You talk about a guy, you know, like a Michael Harris, like a Ronald Acuna. These guys get caught in Ian Anderson. When these guys come up, they produce. They don't even put you in good situations. Ian Anderson got called up first game, Yankees. Second game, you know, uh, you talk about the Red Sox already pitched. Got it. Got the pitching. Got the pitching uh, in the playoffs with a with a COVID stricken season. You saw what uh, the key contribution he made last year. You know, in the playoffs. Talk about a guy, Michael Harris. No, he is. You said it, Kevin. They're not sending him back down. At all. Yeah, no, he's not going. He's not going at all. You mentioned Ian Anderson there. He goes tonight. Maybe the All-Star break coming at a good time for him. Uh, coming off a month of June uh, where he allowed 22 runs in 28 innings in the month of June. Did not pitch great. Has pitched a little better in the month of July. But finish it up strong tonight against the, uh, the Nats. And then you get four days uh, to rest up and come back. And really more than that because he'll be, what, the third or fourth guy. So he'll get almost a full week of rest before he has to go out there and do it again. He goes against Patrick Corbin, who's 4-11, and 11, ERA up near 6. So the Braves hopefully with a chance to throw on some more. Mets have got rained out tonight, so a win tonight. Braves are down to two back 
in the National League East. You're in good shape heading into the All-Star break. We will see you on Monday. It's SEC Media Days. It's the All-Star break. So much to get to. You want to be right here with us. Three and out on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app. ESPNCoastal.com. Braves and Nationals coming up next.